Media.com presents Beyond the Walls, the Game of Thrones podcast, with hosts Christiana Ellis, Jute Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Yeah, we had so a lot of reuniting in this episode. Welcome to season six wow. of Beyond the Wall. Tonight we're discussing Lots episode episode four of Game of Thrones, titled "Book of the Stranger," with no spoilers past the currently aired episodes. I'm Cheech, as always. I'm joined by Christiana Ellis. Hello, everybody. Um, I do not have my little corgi with me tonight because she has already been dropped off at the doggy hotel because I am going on a trip early tomorrow morning. Oh. Well, not necessarily. I'm a little cool, bit sad about it. Yeah. Aww. No frost tonight. So she'll give some shots of our dire wolf to make your missing of your dire wolf a little easier. <laughs> Say hello to Nutty. Hello, everyone. <laughs> And hello to Viv. Hi. Sorry for inflicting peaches and herb on you guys. That was kind of like I said. I had this earworm after watching the episode constantly with all the reunions. <laughs> Sorry. I, I didn't know it. he was going to take it up. It <laughs> was awesome. Um. So uh, yeah, let's do a quick overall opinion, which I think may be similar, but. My overall feeling for this episode was, holy crap, <laughs> like a whole lot happened. <laughs> it was crazy. Definitely. Um, my uh, my immediate response on Twitter was to say, damn, Game of Thrones, back at it again with the great episodes. <laughs> uh, just moving right along, some pretty great stuff. I, I'm not... As like, yay, an amazing episode, though. I don't know. I just, I don't even know you people anymore. This show is so good. You, it's like I, it's like I was telling, um, so I was telling everybody a few minutes ago on the show before we went live that I'd been watching the episodes and then, because I've had been sick and missed some episodes here, I watched those too, and I'm like, guys, this show is so good. I mean, like, what are you? I, I mean, I understand we have our nitpicks and stuff, but. I mean, I think they're really bringing it this season in a way that they haven't really brought it with, like, every storyline, even if it's not moving them forward on a map or to the throne, it's still feeding you information that is, a lot of it's just, you know, fan candy, it's awesome, it's wonderful, but there's also so many unexpected things that I'm just like, I don't know, I just, I'm, 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 I guess I'm surprised that I guess I'm I'm the anti-grump. Is that what I am? Am I like the <laughs> everything is so awesome? You know, kind of the thing because that's how I'm feeling about it this season. <laughs> well, we'll get into the episode. You know, we'll get deep into it in mm-hmm. a second. I wanted to announce a little bit of news real quick. Um, we've been doing our feedback contest, as you know, if you've been listening. So basically, if you interact with us and Facebook and you know do shares, do um, feedbacks and emails that sort of thing then uh your name will be put into a pool a drawing at the end of the season for a 50 dollar gift card 50 dollar gift card make it clear <laughs> so i mumble <laughs> over that so in um uh, somewhat related to that we had something bad happen 
Um, you know, we've never been concerned with like listener numbers and stuff like that. And Promotion. there's a penalty that comes with that. I did not notice, but we had fallen out of iTunes. So no, if you did a search for Game of Thrones or if you did a search for Beyond the Wall, you couldn't find us. We were gone. Uh, a few months ago, I had updated all of our websites to be more secure because you're supposed to be a good internet citizen and you're supposed to secure things. <laughs> and it's been made very easy to do so recently. And actually, Google gives you a boost in search rankings if you are secure. So anyways, Apple didn't like... <laughs> Their certificates. Don't say I chose Apple is very snobby about who's they're going to let in and who they're going to. Let. So anyways, they suddenly couldn't download episodes because it was an SSL, uh, a specific certificate <clears throat> registrar. And long story short, I got it fixed. We're back in the iTunes store. Yay, yay. Good news. Bad news. That's the good news. <laughs> Bad news. We're like a brand new podcast. Like, even though we were the first Game of Thrones podcast, like... Yeah. Pretty sure for HBO at least. For the show, you know, TV show. Um I think yeah. yeah. So it's like we're starting Isn't from scratch. And mm-hmm. we you know, we want people to know about us. So we are going to rely on you, our wonderful listeners, to head into mm-hmm. iTunes if you use, you know, iTunes as your your podcatcher of choice. And rate us. Please, please, please rate us. And so instead of getting an entry to the contest at the end of the season. If you rate us on iTunes, we will give you five entries. This is a feedback or a a, a, a ratings bounty. <laughs> right. A multiplier yeah. kind of thing. Yes. Maybe so. maybe if we get enough, we'll we'll get to be new and notable. Hey, you never <laughs> know, right? Hey sweetie, I meant to ask um when it when it put it back, put us back in the iTunes store, mm-hmm. so it doesn't have any of our previous stats, but does it have our previous episodes, like from the first season? Yes, that's actually okay. not the first season. Um, we adjust that, and I ha- currently have it set basically this season and season all of season five is definitely in the feed. Uh, I think uh-huh. some of season four may be in the feed. People can always go to the website and they can hear all of the um, – you right. can get a, an RSS feed thing for all the episodes. But um, for the podcast, we like to keep it somewhat current so we have last season and this current season. Um, and uh, I did a quick search, by the way. Uh, there's now another Beyond the Wall. So make sure you look for our show art. Uh, what I had to do is I had to type in Specfic Media to find it. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll talk with Chooch after the show and maybe we can adjust that. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just putting Beyond the Wall first instead well, of Specfic and it, Media. Yeah, and it just got re-added so it may not show up in everybody's searches yet. Yeah, but uh, you know, make sure you look for... Our art, not the frozen wasteland of the the pod faded show, and not the really cute art of the new uh, Beyond the Wall that is also not us. Look for our cute faces. Yes. <laughs> You'll know it by the big weirwood tree. Yes. And for SFM presents Beyond the Walls or Specific Media presents Beyond the Wall, that's us. Yes. <laughs> and that's uh, what we get for doing this as a passion project. You know, we're just right. like nerding out and talking about it and oh wait we fell out of the itunes store how long ago Uh oh (laughs) before this season started that's not good even we know that yeah and it's really not good when you're about to drop an interview with george r R. martin himself into the feed which what what? do you say an interview with george r R. martin 
Yeah. So a friend of the podcast, Rich Podcasting's Rich Siegfried, um, mm-hmm. interviewed George at Mysticon a couple weeks ago. And he has uh, delivered unto my grubby little hands the audio of that interview for exclusive release on our show and Geek Radio Daily, which is a really great daily or somewhat daily podcast. <laughs> they go through <laughs> through phases where they're daily and or they're weekly. But so our good friends Billy Flynn and the Flintstress, and I believe sometimes Saucy's on there now. Um, <laughs> so uh, sometime in the next week or so. I hope we're still coordinating with the GRD crew. We will be dropping that interview into the feed. And, and we also find, do. Sorry. sorry you I was can just going to say Radio Daily at geekradiodaily.com. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Ding. Ding. <laughs> One Gotta more get time. Hit it again, Nutty. <laughs> geekradiodaily.com. It's spelled exactly how you expect. <laughs> so, yeah, that is our news for the week. We can jump into this episode. The title sequence, I didn't notice anything different. I wasn't necessarily paying close attention, so I doubt there were any changes. Um, we, Did so... you guys catch any? Because we don't watch for those. I didn't, although I can't help but wonder if Vaya Stalthrak will look any different. <laughs> Next week, maybe. Yeah. Well, after the change they made after Winterfell got burned. Mm-hmm. 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 That'll be interesting. So we see that uh, John was not heading north or south. He was indeed heading back in to pack his shit. To pack his <laughs> shit, like you <Jewish laughs> predicted. I, um, and I was confused by something uh, related to that, uh, too. I, I When we saw the recap, this was something I hadn't noticed last week, but when we saw the recap of that last shot, I realized he had Longclaw on him, and it occurred to me, Wait a minute. I'm not sure how cool it is for you to leave the Night's Watch and take that sword with you. That was kind of explicitly a present from the previous Lord Commander. Yeah, but it wasn't it a present to him? That's how I yeah, interpreted it. It was uh, it was it was it was uh, Mormont's family sword. Right. Gave to I John. don't blame him for leaving it though. Yeah. I'm not sure that he's actually leaving it though, is he? Well, so. it's you start us off. Where where are we starting tonight? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I it just... is related, but yeah, I had interpreted it as he was giving it to John. He was not giving it because he was not, you know, he was at that point. John was just a dude. He wasn't the Lord yeah. Commander. He wasn't. Yeah. He was the steward. <laughs> He's going to give mm-hmm. it to Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in a way, he did. <laughs> um, so, uh, as we discussed a little bit last week, uh, when John had taken off, um, or no, not when John had taken off. Well, that's right, because the end of the episode, he was essentially saying, "I'm done." That's right. Is you know what? Where does this leave everybody else? And he's kind of screwing everybody else. So it looks like he and Ed have the talk. I was with you at Hard Home. We saw what's out there. We know it's coming here. How can you leave us now? I did everything I could, you know. You swore a vow. Aye, I pledged my life to the Night's Watch. I gave my life. For all nights to come. They killed me, Ed, my own brothers. You want me to stay here after that? So, yeah. 
I love Ed this season because he's saying and doing everything that the fans are thinking, mm-hmm. you know, and we discussed a lot of the technicalities last week, and Ed's like, yeah, all nights to come. Mm-hmm. Not just your life. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's one of the things that I loved about this episode is that it's like as soon as we thought of a criticism, they answered it in this episode mm-hmm. in two or three different places. I think it was just brilliant. Well, and even even when I was criticizing that aspect of it last week, it wasn't so much like it wasn't like a criticism of the show. Even it was more um, to, like to John. Yeah. But at the same time, I was that it made me so happy to have Ed bring up all of those points just to just drive home that the show has not forgotten, even if John is kind of at, temporarily at sea. Yeah. Because he really, like, he did not have good answers. He was, he's kind of making excuses. And, and he continues to do so for a while. Like, up until, you know, the conclusion of the arc of this episode, I think he's still right. kind of, you know, people used to call him emo. He's kind of like, he's, he's shifted to full hardcore goth, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's in he's in the dumper again, but I mean, it's understandable. But yeah, yeah it's kind of predictable from him. Yeah, but uh, I, it was nice to to have Ed bring up all of those those points. Yeah, I just love that it's Ed that's kind of stepping in as the new Lord Commander, though. I mean, talk about unexpected. You know, he's he just you didn't. You didn't get that from him in book one, I don't think. I don't think you got that from him in any in of any the of books. And, I, and yeah, it's it's a great development, I agree. And it's a, it's a nice divergence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although it kind of has to be him, because who else do we even know anymore? Know. Exactly. <laughs> the only other face I recognize anymore is uh, Tormund's, and I don't think they're going to make him work commander anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> Not very likely. So uh, Sansa, <laughs> Brienne, and Pod come to town. This yeah. is just a, the total chills moment, you know. It's season one that they were partied, right? Like early yeah. on. Episode one. Episode, Episode one. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Oof. I did not think it was actually going to happen. <laughs> I did did they? Did it happen in book five? Had they crossed paths no. in book five? Oh my mm-hmm. god! So it was as big a moment for you guys as it was for me. It was oh, kind of funny totally. when the scene happened because, you know, they they're reunited and Chooch. I can't remember. I have no idea what he said, but he started saying something about this and this and that and that. And I'm just like, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> they're together, and I'm like tears coming down my face. I'm like, mm-hmm. I need. This. I haven't seen them. any of them reunited in the books. Shh. And he was like, oh, oh, you know, so like, I'm guessing you guys took it as a big moment as I did since they didn't get reunited in the book either. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, in the book, it's, remember, it's not even Sansa that's at, uh, at Winterfell, right. that went to Winterfell. So she's right. still, like, over in the area in the, like, the Vale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in addition to them not getting reunited, John gets this whole fake out in the books. He's, you know, Melisandre has this vision of a girl on a pale mare, and all, is it the pale mare? Whatever it is, a girl coming to mm-hmm. the to the wall, and from what he hears of this person, he thinks it's Arya. 
and mm-hmm. it is the person that pretended to be Arya. And it's not, you know, yeah. and that's the thing. It's like, it, it's so close. It's, it, he, he really thinks it's happening. And then, of course, the reader's like, oh, John. It's yeah. Not, it's not her. <laughs> it is interesting just to, to have the reminder of the, the various intricacies. Because when we start talking about, like, the differences from the books, it's like it, it gets more and more intricate the further we diverge. Because, as you were just saying, not only was it not Santa in the books, but the role that she is taking on in the books is her best friend who is being passed off as Arya because they're just hoping that hardly anyone knows what Arya really looks like. Yeah. <laughs> it's been enough time and, and children age, and how would you know? She's got yeah. dark hair. It's good enough. But, uh, yeah, I... I was super excited and it was just kind of amazing to realize that it has literally been since episode one of the show that they've seen each other. And then that just got me thinking how many other characters that's true for. Um, I think technically we got a shot of John and like the, the famous I'll tell you when I get back <laughs> conversation I think happened at the beginning of episode two. In um, in season um, one, because sure. that's when they were leaving, leaving for King's Landing and the Wall, respectively. But just all sorts of other characters, you know. So Arya and Sansa obviously saw each other for a while, but Arya hasn't seen um, John for for that long either. Um, and you know, and that was it was funny too, just because they were the two that we saw that had had a connection. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of fascinating from a storytelling perspective to, when you have the two siblings that get reunited are the ones that really were not that close before. It's, it, was a, it was a fascinating dimension, I think. Chooch, how about for you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it was, it was very exciting. You know, I can only hope we can roll this, keep rolling this into a, a streak. In... A family reunion. Right. It's going to get Rickon. What was it that you were trying to tell me when I shushed you to let me like have all the feels and all the cries? They were entering Castle Black. You don't remember? It's not in your notes. It's me. <laughs> Sorry, baby. The, the fact that Sansa and John did not get along so well as siblings. The fact that she, she even says, I was so horrible to you. And, and she, she makes him accept her apology. You know, no, it's not okay. I was, I was a bad sister. Um, In in a way that only a sister can do. Yes. And it, it rang so true to me though, that how happy they were. Cause like when you're reading the books, there's all this tension because of John's parentage and everything. And there's all of this tension. But when you're in a family, even when you have siblings that you don't get along with, like you could fight with a specific sibling all day long, but something big happens, there's still that love there. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of a situation will definitely bring about, you know, the big hugs and the love. Yeah. I mean, I can, there have been many examples in my own family where various siblings, you know, would be at each other's throats, but then something big happens and suddenly it's like, no, 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 this is a wall. We are in an army. This this is what our family does. Mm-hmm. You know, drop everything for everyone else. And so that moment really did ring true for me. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy to the writers that they and the actors that everything came off the way that it did. Um, I agree. Uh, the one other uh, element, though, of that reunion, I just want to go on the record. I was thanking the writers for sparing us the scene where the two of them have to explain everything that's been yes. going on. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, true. it does leave us a little bit uncertain of exactly how much they've each told. Like. John telling Sansa, oh, yeah, they actually betrayed me and I died and then was brought back to life with blood magic. Seems like they would probably need to continue talking about that for longer. (laughs) But uh, so it's hard to know if they told each other everything. But I I think it was still good storytelling economy to not make us uh, have to go through that whole conversation. Yeah, I I I think that that kind of a um, not doing the whole well this catch up thing is probably a really good storytelling device in yeah. my opinion. I like it when they do that. Yeah, I think it's it was really touching and it was like you said it was really genuine. There was that first moment of is that really you? And then everything melts away. Nothing else matters, and it's just. Like, the way she cut through to him, you know, like I said, like a sister would. And then um, she did it again later when they were at the table and they found out that Rickon was back at Winterfell. And he was like, no, this won't work, that won't work, we don't have this, we don't have that. And then she's just like, grabs his arm like, whoa, hold on a second. We were reared together, baby. We got, this is our family home. This is our brother. We have to. And she was able to kind of like catches attention like I don't think anybody else I don't think anybody else would have been able to do it not maybe maybe Arya but she's such a different person now that who knows yeah. it was I thought it was really fantastic to see and I really enjoyed seeing a, a very Catalan a very cat start kind of mm-hmm. not just like that she she's the lady of, of Winterfell or whatever but that there's goodness and there's honesty behind it and there's a, a, a strong moral compass and so it's easy to root for her and it's really neat to see her kind of have that tough demeanor when she needs it like Kat had. I mean, she was really tough when she needed to be and it's neat to see sense of having learned to be that tough when she needs to be about the important things. She's just grown so immensely from that first little season of of simpering and, and being in love with Joffrey and just to see her now is so fantastic. Yeah, it, it the two of them have each had their own sort of parallel arc that makes this this reunion so interesting because as you were just saying, Sansa, by virtue of having gone through some stuff, is she's tough now, but not like just like hardened, but also, like, she has much more of an eye for strategy and tactics and politics now um, than she ever did. So it's not that she's just more serious-minded. Um, it's also that she she's got she's paying more attention to the things that really matter. Whereas when she last saw John, 
he was the you know the bastard sibling who couldn't inherit so he was going off to join the wall because the night's watch because because it's glory up there it's it's noble mm -hmm. calling and he can be up there and nobody'll care that I'm a bastard and I can be a ranger and just like Benjamin and and that sort of thing and now he's the one that's saying not only am I quitting but also I don't want to do fighting of any kind anymore at all and it just occurred to me that um, he must have explained the whole thing to her, because otherwise, how could he explain how he was planning to leave? Yeah, that's um, true. That's true. Uh, Mike, go ahead. Mike McCauley in the uh, Q and A uh, said, agrees that he says I felt it was implied that they fully caught up, caught up off scene. Mm -hmm. uh, Jennifer Fuss also says totally agree. Their quick re reconciliation was awesome. Hoping for a fast re reunion of the Starks. Look out! Yes, I think that's all, <laughs> Mike. By the way. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, up? you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. It's the 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 order of the the comment versus the name is oh. threw me there. It's it's the various <laughs> chats in the Q and A, and if yes. you're if you're listening or watching now, you can participate by going into the Q and A app. Uh, just a quick thing, Chooch, can you see the Q and A? This week or no? It is not loading for me at all. No, I don't have. Okay. So Q and A listeners, uh, Christiana and I will try to uh, keep that in, but we can't resolve any of your questions. So don't don't get upset <laughs> if you think that uh, we're not. Uh, we care. We, we promise. We're just if you specifically address them, and you yeah. are able to remove them yourselves. That would be helpful. That <laughs> would be helpful because it gets a they they move around for some reason for us, and we don't we can't really do anything. So, thank you. Gotcha. <laughs> On uh, Facebook, Jennifer Fuss had also chimed in before uh, uh, yesterday. <clears throat> before yesterday. Duh. I was going to say before we recorded, obviously. <laughs> and so one of the things she had mentioned was when John was uh, talking to Ned at the entry, uh, at, at the opening, saying uh, when they were talking, it was uh, how it's not a great idea to reconquer Winterfell. I thought, great, you're addressing most of the questions from beyond the wall. <laughs> <laughs> didn't like his stance yet it occurred uh, uh, somewhat believably being murdered <laughs> can be quite a motivational mm -hmm. bummer on saving the realm <laughs> yeah so, that'll do it lose your, your, your mojo um, for it you know what just totally like personally all throughout the show I have really kind of resisted the impulse to Think of John like a moody teenager, or you know, like making like high school type analogies and stuff. And yet, what just occurred to me is that his objection feels a little bit like he got pranked by a bully, and he's like, "Now, how can I face the kids at school again after that?" Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to diminish the uh, character. I actually find it very compelling in terms of what's happening, even if I think that the whole technicality thing is. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that that's cool, especially given, as Ed points out, uh, the White Walkers are coming. Like, that's not, that yeah. hasn't gone away just because he, he's mad now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think. I think even I can give him, and I, I criticized him very, very, very harshly in those first few seasons, <laughs> um, that he wasn't the John that I envisioned when I read the books, but that, um, you know, he, 
he's been through so much with losing Ygritte and his friends and the betrayal and it's he I gave I I'll give him one more episode but he better kind of turn it around a little bit and I think Sansa's the great I think she's the one that will be able to yank him out of his funk but can we take a moment it just a moment to have like this in awe of the torment look on his face when he sees Brienne for the first time oh, when she hugs in when she comes in on horseback and he's just like nur I mean he's like he's never seen a woman before that was so fantastic no 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 we need more than a moment to discuss torment <laughs> because there is a whole shipping thing going on in my heart right now um, <laughs> even though it's completely one-sided on him uh, I have all through my notes here uh, talking about Tormund, uh, when he, the way that he looks at Brienne when she comes in, he's just like, whoa, 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 now that's a woman. Yes. And then as they're eating and he's making these moon eyes as oh he's staring into the meat, and she just looks at him like, oh, what? no, don't look at me like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I just feel for Brienne so much in those, because first of all, I feel like, wouldn't it be great for her to get to experience some kind of a relationship like yeah. that where they really actually, like, they're not yeah, actually really... Anything. Yeah, yeah, they he, instantly attracted. Yes, he, the things he finds attractive are the things that she's actually good at. It's not like he's settling because she's not good enough in the ways she's supposed to be good. The things that she's good at, you know, her height, her strength, her ability to fight, like that's what he likes. And she led, she led the party in. It was yep. Brienne first, and then it was Sansa and Pod behind her. So she was very obviously like the alpha, the lead defense mm -hmm. kind of situation. And and he doesn't, and he doesn't know she's from Tarth either. He doesn't know anything about her. He just fell in love with her on sight. And I just, I mean, heaven. I, I like, though, and I, I really felt that her reaction was believable and oh, it, uh -huh. in the sense of totally. she has been so conditioned over time through past trauma and also just keeping the walls up yeah. on this sort of thing. She's basically conditioned herself to believe that if anyone likes her in that way, there must be something wrong with them and therefore she should stay away. Yeah. Yeah, or... And, it's a joke or a prank or a cruel. What are they gonna get? What do they want from me? Yeah, it's like either you're trying to trick me and that makes you a jerk, or there's something wrong with you and you're a creep. Right. Yeah. And either way, I want nothing to do with you. But of course, that it's it's sad to think that she would never get to experience romance yeah. with someone because she's closed off in that way. Well, but she kind of opened up to Jamie when they were together. They, yeah. there, there's some sort of a bond there, even though I don't mm -hmm. think it was sexual or like chemical in any way. It was more like a, a resigned, fine. I respect you. You're awesome. I'll save you and defend you, kind of stuff that they did. But like the thing with torment, it's just like picturing all these amazing little redheaded kids and boys and girls with swords and playing yeah. and just. Brienne going off and doing her adventuring and Tormund going off and doing his wildling stuff and oh, it would just be so cute. That would be a great spin-off. 
I, I, I do think that there is chemical and romantic attraction between Jamie and uh, Brienne, though most of that's in the books, not as much in the series. I agree. Um, yeah, I don't think they've shown that. But it's it's Jamie getting falling for her as a person after like overcoming this offense to like how dare she be this way because All she's a woman. Things, yes. Yeah, whereas Tormund is just like. That's a woman. That's what I want. That's, That's what I always woman. wanted. I mean, the things that he liked about your grit is like minuscule, like a small muted down version there. Yeah. And and the things that he didn't like about your grit are not even there. Like there is none of that pansy, uh, uh, you know, I follow my heart and and fall for a boy just because he's pretty kind of a thing. And in my heart of hearts, my little shipping heart of heart, I want to see a whole storyline where Tormund is all about her and she's cagey and she's not into it, but that she has to then get over herself and learn and all of these things. And I think it would be awesome. And whether or not they actually have a relationship or that she just realizes that, yes, she is attractive. All of these things that she loves, that's what makes her beautiful. That's what makes her awesome. And that is what makes her amazing. Just that in itself is enough story for me, for her to realize that the values that I hold, other people hold them too. And I am awesome. And I I shouldn't beat myself up. I shouldn't think that I'm a failure um, because I am amazing. And that's what I want to see. And so, like I said, like my shipping heart of hearts is all in this. Um, this is so far the most divergent episode from the books that we've ever had and this is one of the things that I have been excited about when I say that the books are going to this is going to be divergent from the books because this makes me happy beyond belief mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I should be nervous because if I'm happy they're going to ruin it but yeah. let's just be happy for a little while <laughs> um, it just occurred to me this is just maybe a semantic question but as we progress beyond the books in addition to the wrinkle of having previously diverged, so just and I'm not really even questioning your word so much as just exploring it in the sense mm -hmm. of when we say this is the most divergent yet, it's it's what we mean is things are happening that didn't happen in the books. Right. Yeah. Some of that's because the story is progressing as opposed to just a difference, right? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we're moving beyond, and then there's a lot of stuff that, because they changed things, like, for instance, because they changed the whole thing with Sansa, we have Brienne and Tormund meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see, see that happening in the books. Yeah. I know, it never even occurred to me. No. That they might meet someday. We didn't uh, get any interaction between them this time, but I would like to see some... Uh, at least a brief conversation between Pod and Ed. Yes. Oh, yes, I would. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I gotta say, Pod is looking better and better. Can we, um, ladies, Chooch, you can chime in as well. I think. <laughs> Absolutely. More the warrior and less the kind of cowed, shy, mm -hmm. little kind of court clerk that he was before. Now he's like out there defending and killing and saving and stuff and looking. It's yeah. it it suits him. It's kind of funny how much, as he, you know, he, he 
progressively looks more and more like Gendry. Yeah. Just right. by coincidence. I know, I know, I know. Oh, I still really have a like hope Gendry. in my heart. Yeah. Someday him and Arya will get together too. <laughs> yeah. So we, we have a few more, uh, a couple more in uh, Q&A. We have, this one is Jennifer, I think, so, saying maybe they can bond when they both march to free Winterfell. That mm. being Brienne and, and Tormund. <laughs> I like that idea. I do too. Um, Mike asks, though, but wouldn't you think if she were to be romantically involved with anyone, it would compromise her duties and protect her oath? Um, protect her oath. Maybe that's not the right wording, but like the the idea though, it it conflicts with right potentially. I don't see her her. She's been she's finally getting the payoff on going out and looking for Sansa and Arya in season three, season four. Mm -hmm. And then getting in with Jamie and all of those adventures and things like that. And then she finds Stannis and she executes him. And she faces Melisandre and says, I know what you did, sister. You know what I mean? It's like she's she's found Sansa and she's saying, I'm her protector. And I give counsel and, you know, all of these things. And I think that she's so far right now in the wheelhouse of where she's been trying to get for so, so many years now in our time. Um, that I don't think I don't. I mean, if anybody could distract her, I think it would be Tormund, though. <laughs> yeah, let's well, be honest. I, I think that she'd be distracted to the extent that any male knight would be distracted by women. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. knights are not yeah, uh, lesser ones. Well, they're not the ones that yeah. give up um, relationships. It's only you know knights of the king's guard or knight or men of the knight's watch. So. Yeah, although it like the whole context of her swearing herself, it's 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 a bit like being Kingsguard, though. That certainly yeah. seems to be how she's approaching it, whether or not there's any specific social protocol that requires it. But mm -hmm. it might also be that she's just always thought of it that way because she just kind of has long ago given up on the idea of ever having that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's yeah. what she I had with Renly, and she's been looking for it again. I don't think she ever thought like it ever occurred to her, the idea of giving up relationships. Like, I don't think that that's ever been, like, an issue to her. Like, even when she was on uh, Renly's um, uh, Kingsguard, I don't think she thought, oh, well, I'd have to give up having relationships. I don't think that's ever been, a, like, you, like you said, Christiana, not that she's so much given up on it, but that it's just not, it's just not in her life. You know, this is what I do. I fight and I want to be a knight, and I want to be taken seriously, and all of that stuff is not really in her her for, in her mind. I I I I feel like I have to disagree just a little okay, bit in the sense that um, it, a lot of that I think comes from trauma, though, because remember this yes. traumatic experience she had where. Um, the the various uh, people. Uh, basically teased her, made it look like they were competing for mm -hmm. her affections, but it was all just a joke. Yep. And and like she had been reserved in like a little KG before that, but had started to open up to it only to have it be revealed as a cruel prank. And I think she closed it off deliberately. And so maybe yeah. that it's not like she is worried about it every day. But I think it's more a matter of a long time ago, she just came to the conclusion that it would never happen to her and so never happened for her, and so she just doesn't think about it. But that doesn't mean that she didn't ever want it. 
uh, or that it right. never occurred to her. Yeah. Right. Plus no, and I agree with that. I agree <clears throat> with that completely. Go ahead, Gigi. It was clear she was in love with Rinley, even though oh, it yeah. wasn't mm-hmm. going to happen for a number of reasons. But so mm-hmm. after pining after him for so long, she may really be closed off for now. I, I you know, in the initial torment, no, over dinner, making eyes over dinner. I didn't, couldn't tell if it was her kind of like disliking it, the attention, or it just not happening that often, not quite knowing what to do with it. <laughs> I identify so much with Brienne, especially because, um, as we've discussed, like the trauma of the way people have treated her um, with relationships and so forth. Like a lot of that had, I had a lot of that growing up myself. Um, and I basically had a lot of people where it was, they would ask me out or they would show me some sort of attention as part of cruel jokes and jabes and things like that mm. uh, growing up. And so, I mean, it got to the point when, when somebody legitimately was interested in me, I lashed out because that's not what happened. So I, mm-hmm. I have such a, a strong empathy with Brienne and I've always felt that way. And uh, seeing her go through this in the show it's again more empathy because that's exactly it's so similar to how I reacted when people were actually interested in me because it's like, no, you're not go away. Stop <laughs> starting fights over it and stuff. Yeah. Very bad. <laughs> yeah. It, it, there's kind of a, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, reaction. Um, we kind of skipped yeah. over Davos and Melisandre and Brienne oh, yeah. talking um, and yeah. And him giving, um, well, an answer to us that he didn't seem to know what happened to Stannis and Brienne right. kind of makes it, I've got an audio drop, makes it very clear of exactly what happened to Stannis. Before Renly was assassinated with blood magic. That's in the past now. This is in the past. Doesn't mean I forget. Or forgive. He admitted it, you know. Who did? Stannis. Just before I executed him. It makes it very clear you know exactly what happened and had given, you know, Melisandre the, the stink eye when she says, I don't forget. Um, mm-hmm. That was amazing. But basically talks over him learning what happened to Shireen. She kind of yep. jumps in before he knows exactly what went down with Shireen, which may be a kindness, really. <laughs> yeah. But she does say, I saw what happened. So Davos has the opportunity to find out by going to Brienne and saying, how did Shireen die? And she's like, she wasn't even there. Hmm. I got to say, though, in in my rewatch that I finished up today with Chooch um, of just the season, realizing that if you're going to be dead and then wake up and be reincarnated and you're going to be freezing and naked on a slab (laughs) or probably in any circumstances Davos is the guy that you want there Mm -hmm. because he kind of like I think smoothed that with with John which kind of eased him into transitions or else he would have been even more moody and now that we've got Sansa there with Brienne I think that Davos was the right guy. You know, he's he's finding out what's what's going what happened with Shireen and now he can find more information and it's just it's so interesting to me the way that they're having all the characters intersect and mm-hmm. and fill in places things that we didn't know or 
you know, it's just like that sudden surprise of Sansa coming through the gates. It's just I think they're executing this particular storyline really well. Yeah. Um, honestly, until that scene, it hadn't even really occurred to me to think about what if Brienne meets Davos and Melisandre. Mm-hmm. Um, hadn't, and not only that, but just the reminder that they did technically meet before. Um, actually, that bit reminded me, there's a brief exchange in the first Uncharted video game that just always stood out to me as a great um, line. It's, it's when we've just met the villain for the first time. So uh, um, the main character in that game was... Uh, he, he was in some water, and he's he's just escaped from a thing, and the villain is there standing on the shore and basically kind of helps pull him out and starts to do this very pompous, like, introduction, and, and the main character just kind of goes, yeah, I know who you are, asshole. <laughs> um, and, and I just thought that that was just such a great thing because it conveys not only, okay, well, they... So we get to hear the introduction when the guy says the introduction... But we also get the additional layer of he's a guy that Nate would have known and he is also a guy that Nate wouldn't like and would be irritated that he's so pompously introducing himself. But so just this whole bit where Davos kind of is coming in to just kind of say, oh, hey, you know, you know, my name's Davos. And she's like, (laughs) I know who you are. Yeah. Um, I also just really liked how she handled the whole situation, which is to basically say, listen, you guys did some really not okay stuff, but because I know you were acting under orders from a leader that I've already taken care of, that was really the primary urgency of my vengeance, but I'm watching you guys. (laughs) Exactly. It was so masterful, and I love how truthful she was. She was just like, and I executed him. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try and make friends with you. These are the facts. I'm telling you all of them so that later on, no one can come back. Yeah, there's no confusion. Yeah, there's no confusion. I killed your dude, and uh, I'm not sure if she heard the whole stuff about the prince that was promises, promised, which was kind of cool, you know, uh, Melisandre. Oh, he's the prince that was promised. I thought that was Stannis. <laughs> well, yeah, so did she. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just love it. It's just like, and I executed him. Mm-hmm. I did it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lover, yeah. especially just because even you know, for both of them, honestly, their assumption had to be, well, we would have heard if Stannis had made it out. Like if he was either mm-hmm. a prisoner or had been victorious, we would have heard something by now. So he's probably dead, but did he just die in the battle? We don't know. We don't know the details. And for her to basically just show up and say, oh yeah, I did it. Mm-hmm. I put his neck against a tree and chopped my sword into it. <laughs> yep. no oh, and I got him to admit nothing. to killing Renly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, Mike says uh, that was a great mic drop for Brienne. Yeah. Um, Jennifer says Brienne doesn't know about Shireen and I think doesn't see it as relevant because with I Know What Happened, I think she just meant the battle and Stannis' death which was like her milestone. I tend to agree. She wouldn't know who Shireen is. No, but Um, she would have known if there were children on the battlefield. And if Melisandre's trying to pass off that Shireen died during the battle, Mm. I I, I feel that 
there's someone that there is somebody that was there clear that up for us he loves shireen so much i think he'll he'll clear that up for us i think in in the next episode (laughs) i think they're gonna forget about it they're gonna move on it's done it's over this was Hmm. yeah there's any number of people sorry i don't mean to interrupt yeah um there, there's any number of people though that know about Shireen because when they burned her, everybody was watching, and that's why right. so many of Stannis's troops left. Yeah. So yeah, there's not really funny. a shortage of people around. Certainly, uh, Bolton would know because a lot of those guys left Stannis and joined Bolton specifically mm-hmm. for that reason. True. True. Yeah. Let's finish out Winterfell. Or not Winterfell, Castle Black at the uh, towards the end of the episode. We already discussed a little bit about dinner and the eyes with Tormund or what the, and then mm-hmm. a letter suddenly arrives from Winterfell mm-hmm. that has the interesting news. <laughs> oh fuck. With a, a He's quite such a party pooper. Poetic letter. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, I guess it was not going to be a chase to Castle Black. It was a uh, he doesn't need to chase them. <laughs> yeah. Now that he's got their little brother. Yeah. Think that's going to light think, a fire under John's ass? I think what's exciting about <laughs> what's exciting about it is first first of all it is a modified version of something that happens near the end of book 5. Okay. Um, it's modified because the whole thing with Rickon showing up at um, and being at Winterfell now um, that aspect of it is different and so the person that he, Ramsey is is boasting about having in his dungeon um, that like that stuff is different because of a whole bunch of different things that happened. But there was a similar letter, and but what I love about it within the context of this show is that it it's a reminder that occasionally Ramsey is not just a mad dog. Like right. he remembers what is. Dad said about if if we just march on Castle Black, everyone will hate us. And even mm-hmm. if we think we have the numbers to do it, <coughs> you're still going to have a lot of people alienated. Whereas if you can just write a letter and have them come to you, way yeah. easier. Yeah. It's it's terrible that the personality that he has, the cunning that he has. And the upbringing that he had, it's just, he's the worst person in the world. Yeah, I don't like him. (laughs) Yeah. Understatement. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I I had another thought, too, that I thought was really, um, it, it, it was kind of, it could have been a throwaway detail in the sense of, like, people wouldn't necessarily even need to, recognize that this element of it but just when John is reading the letter the part where he stops and tries to just oh it's more the same I don't need to read the rest is is when this the threats of of rape right we're going to rape your sister and but what I kind of dug about that is uh, that it, it felt in keeping with both of their Characters that John, for all of his combat experience now, is still pretty naive. I think when it comes to some of that stuff, mm-hmm. um, and certainly what he is still going to be biased by is thinking of his sister as this 
as the girl who left Winterfell those years ago, right? Whereas Sansa, when when it's like Sansa's listening to the letter, is like, okay, we haven't gotten to the rape threats yet. Oh, you're stopping? I know why. Give me that. And she's basically saying, no, look, we need everybody to be fully aware of what we're getting into here. This is what this guy is. Yeah. And I, I liked that she just kind of owned that and wouldn't let that detail get um, brushed away as though it's, you know, it's like, oh, just more of the same. No, it's not more of the same. It is an entirely different horrible thing that we need to uh, make sure everybody's aware of. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the whole letter though it's it's such a taunt and and am I the only one that's feeling like Admiral Akbar there <laughs> it's, it's so many it's like I think so many diff, uh, great um, I don't know franchises worlds whatever have this great taunting moment and I think that's one of the best that I've seen because it's delivered so like come see you know that like it had that they paced it the way that he talks that malevolent way that he talks mm -hmm. and 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 Sansa it it was it was adorable that John wanted to protect her from hearing the words that that Ramsay wrote but I mean now he's realizing what she's been going through with him so it's mm -hmm. like I'm not a child anymore hand me some ale okay that's some really shitty ale <laughs> <laughs> but it's shown like in just a couple scenes, how much she's grown since that little girl that he last saw. Yeah. It was neat. Mm -hmm. There's, um, so the come and see is specifically from the letter that's in the books, but this mm -hmm. letter is very different from the books, as Christiana said, because of content. And there's like all sorts of fan theories about the one in the books. And I just want to say that to any of the book readers, I don't think that's at all included in the show there's not going to be any question over who wrote this and stuff like that um i know that my theory after book five came out was that uh ramsey was a spoiler letter <laughs> that, that ramsey what that he was lying in his letter mm -hmm. however given kind of as the the way the show has progressed makes me less confident of that but mm -hmm. the book version of the letter my assumption was he was lying it was a ruse mm -hmm. with the same intent which is come at me, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I was Sheriff uh, Bullock. Sorry, oh, uh, no, go ahead. Uh, Sheriff Bullock has a comment. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off, um, uh, but Sheriff Bullock says uh, at least Ramsey didn't send Sansa and John a box of Rickon's favorite toy. Yes, yes, we yeah. can thank him for that. Well, but I mean, it's Shaggy Dog's head, so I mean, they yeah, already took from him the cool. thing that he cares most mm -hmm. about. He's it's, Theon cared about his penis more than everything in the world. Rickon, mm. it was family and Shaggy Dog. Yeah, that yeah. sucked. I think, yes. unfortunately, also we have to say, don't speak too soon. We don't know what else is going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. and we've already seen in this episode. We'll get to that later. But uh, he took something else from Rickon. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, for now, let's jump up to the veil. It's a little. Yeah, not quite as menacing. Mm. Peter's finally come back to the veil, so we finally get to see what he's been up to, traveling all over the place. Mm -hmm. And he brings prezies. Yes, he does. He knows his audience. Um, mm -hmm. That was it. Was 
a really interesting scene, I think. You know, he comes yeah. in and <clears throat> immediately placates Robin. Robin's obviously excited to see him. It's kind of yeah. like, you know, um, not long lost, but I don't know. Yeah. I guess kind of absent makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing, you know, like him mm-hmm. being not necessarily available. And Robin now has these exciting things probably to tell him about, but gives him the present and really essentially with, um, I forget the other guy's name, the other Lord of the Vale. Mm, Royce. Royce. You know, basically whips his dick out and reestablishes control on like, let's not mm-hmm. get things twisted. Um, the, f- the only thing I could think about for the first half of the scene was how little Lord Robin is now like eight feet tall. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has got at least five inches on Littlefinger now. And uh, they were kind of trying to play with the blocking, I think, a little bit to disguise that. But yeah, he sprouted. Um, that kid. Um, I I will say that although I liked the scene a lot, I'm a little disappointed that Littlefinger wasn't up to more since we last saw him, because it seems like he hasn't really done anything since he left King's Landing. Yeah, where has he been? What has he been doing? Yeah, exactly. What has he been <laughs> <What>? doing? Where <laughs> has he been? <laughs> well, you know, no, I thought it, it was, could be it hard was... to track down a falcon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really liked the scene because it was such, as always, Baelish doesn't seem to grab a puppet and start trying to make it dance for him unless he's sure he's got it. And of course he clearly had Robin still in his pocket and the way that he danced around and turned what was being accused against him into an accusation from Lord Royce. And then like, he goes through this whole thing and Robin pretty much just does exactly what Peter wants him to do. And then it's like, he gets what he wants and then they close in on Baelish and you can see the mockingbird emblem so clear. And it's like, like we didn't pick up on that fact that he just like danced all of those little players around on the stage. It was just gorgeous. I, I just, it's another one of those scenes that I thought was, was really well done, really well executed. He lays mm-hmm. in a little bit of foreshadowing line. Lord Royce has served the Vale well. He's enjoyed a distinguished military career. If we could trust his absolute loyalty, he would make a capable commander in the wars to come. That wars to come, like, ooh, kind of foreshadowing, but then pretty much immediately, you know, coerces Robin, oh, well, she's my cousin. We should help her. Yeah, so let's, hey, Mm -hmm. let's gather the Lords of the Vale and go to war. (laughs) You know, this is in increasingly um, hinted at by the scenes from next time, uh, but definitely the idea that, oh, the new plan is let's get the Army of the Veil, vale, which has been sitting on their hands since season one. Um, let's get them on the field and go rescue Sansa. Makes me just think, he did know how awful Ramsay was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was part of the plan all along, I think. Well, it <coughs> as awful as an education as it is, it really did speed up her education, and he didn't have to be the bad guy, like, you know, teaching her those lessons the way that Ramsay did. She learned a lot from Joffrey. She learned a lot more from Ramsay. And I think that she's going to be a really imposing figure. I'm, I'm really excited to see what Sansa's going to be doing. 
So Chooch. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that in the chat that Nettie points out that our Ustream, uh, that our YouTube stream is dead, and I've verified that. Huh. Yeah, uh, the Q and still... were saying that too. Yeah, I am not. Do you want to try and reboot the something? It's still broadcasting, so. I know it says yeah. live on my screen, but I, I... I looked on. Hopefully, it's just the stream, so that the final, like the recording, will still be good. Yeah, because if I hit stop, I, there's no coming back from that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the new things I'm not sure and... what we can do. So, Chush, where do you want us to go now? Well, the last piece for me in the veil, Royce seemed legitimately surprised. He was crapping his pants. Like, it had never occurred to him, I guess, that, that I don't know why it would never have occurred to him that Peter had this kind of influence. Right. Um, what have they been doing this whole time? You know, has he been trying to yeah. cultivate Robin so he's surprised at yeah. the turn? I think the problem is Royce is just too too wrapped up in the idea that people really will, are going to behave according to code of honor. Right. Like he's, he's a bit like Ned in that regard is that he just kind of says, well, that's how I live. Surely that's how everybody else should live. Right. So if we just, you know, like it's the honorable thing. And if I challenge him, then, you know, he'll, you know, but the, the idea that, uh, that, he would have basically laid the groundwork with Robin to say, Robin will listen to me before you. Right. And I've got him trained like, you know, an attack dog. I just have to say the key phrases and, and, uh, and he'll do whatever I want. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so I think that he just, he was just utterly unprepared for that Avenue of attack because he's coming at Littlefinger like I'm going to protect him from you. Yeah. And Littlefinger's going going like, "Oh no, that's not how this works." <laughs> I was letting you babysit him for me, but in a way, he's also babysitting you for right. me. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Anything else with that scene? I think it was pretty pretty brief. Yeah, and I, it was brief and succinct, just the way we like him. He gets to the point real quick. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, cross the narrow sea back to uh, Marine, Danny Small Council, getting ready to meet with the slave masters. We have another classic Tyrion line. As a clever man once told me, <laughs> we make peace with our enemies, not our friends. I don't make peace with the Queen's enemies. I kill the Queen's enemies. Yes, that's the military approach. <laughs> How has that worked here in Marine? I represent- <laughs> so there's a little bit of what uh, Tyrion's tack is going to be. Yeah. We see he meets with the masters, and somebody got a promotion. The one who had had bought him in Jorah <laughs> right. is suddenly one of the wise masters. Your face. Um, I I was trying to remember who in the show had previously said we we don't make pe- peace with our we don't make peace with our friends. Because I've definitely heard that before, but I can't, I couldn't remember where. And I couldn't remember if it was someone in the show that Tyrion was quoting or if he is just paraphrasing like a real life quote. Mm-hmm. Anyone know? Not sure. It sounds familiar. Well, but shoot. I'm not sure. Uh, I'll, I'll Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, so- I'm, I'm doing it too, so. 
Tyrion's going to try out some diplomacy and some compromise. And Danny has never really been big on compromise. So assuming she's coming back to Marine, we'll get she, into what goes down with her later. You know, she know was she, learning to compromise though. Cause she opened up, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, honey, but she opened up the fighting pits. So she, she was a little more open than in the past. Baby steps. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That wise man is Littlefinger in season one. Oh. Ah. When he talks to Ned about what happens when Robert dies, Ned Stark balks at, at trying to negotiate with the Lannisters to make peace. Uh, uh, sorry, to make Joffrey king in exchange for Ned serving as regent. Littlefinger responds, We only make peace with our enemies. That's why it's called making peace. Mm-hmm. And Ned disagrees, and we see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Tyrion oh. was there. Yeah, it's interesting. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of those phrases that I think is great because while it, it's sort of immediately counterintuitive, but then you also just kind of realize, well, of course, how could it be anything else? If they were already your friends, you don't have to make peace. You know, yeah. making peace is only something you can do with someone who's not <laughs> you're not already at peace with. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's a it's a good line, and it's an element of a, that approach. You know what I mean? It's exactly the the conflict that Tyrion has in the line that you you just mentioned, which is that: Do you make peace or do you make war? Like those are two different approaches. I make love, you know. Hmm. But, um, <laughs> I think it's interesting too now that you mention oh, it. Baby. So Danny did kind of so back when she first sleeps freed the slaves and some of the unforeseen repercussions where you have slaves or you know the slave was essentially a tutor mm-hmm. and he worked for the family and he worked with the children and he wanted to go back to that and she did compromise and that she allowed them to enter into a contract mm-hmm. and keep living in the home and do it that way. So, you know, kind of like indentured servitude seems like a logical progression out of slavery or whatever. Mm -hmm. So maybe Mm -hmm. she would be down with it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I I tend to think that she would certainly not be at least on the face of it. That's my, my gut because of exactly the objections that Grey Worm and Miss Sandy have. But the, the, the issue is it's a lot like any kind of politics, right? It's the question of, well, what you want is for slavery to be gone. But the problem is that there are lots of other people who want just as much for slavery to not change at all. And so you have to either continue to fight with them or find some kind of a compromise that they're not going to be happy with and you're not going to be happy with, but it stops the fighting. And so it's kind of as Tyrion is saying, is like, well, I want to end slavery and I also want to end the war but I can't do both of them today. And I think he's right about the fact that, you know, he said it in an earlier episode that there was a lot, you know, it was, I think the scene where they saw uh, the Misa is a master painted on the wall when he Mm -hmm. embarrassed an episode or two ago. And he said, you know, she basically came in and said that their whole system of value has no value and that human life, isn't property and it doesn't have value. And so we, 
continuing that thought, leaving a power vacuum, like what she did in freeing the slaves, it left like the tutor, the teacher that Chooch was mentioning. And just in so many other ways, if you don't fill that vacuum with some sort of form of government and representation that she was kind of getting around to, um, then all those evils are going to happen and it happened in all the other, other cities in Slavers Bay. And, and so it's, it's, really neat to see Tyrion lend his information and knowledge and all his, all the things that he knows and can bring to the table, which is so different from the other, the other counselors that she has had before. So, sorry, that was long. (laughs) So, and as Tyrion finds, he immediately has to turn around and explain everything to the leader of the slaves. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. wait, you did what? And uh, yeah, it was interesting. And Masinde and Grey Worm, although they were obviously not happy, you know, to begin with, they mm-hmm. have his back. And of course, they give him an earful afterwards. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, they they were behind him. Said you know, he said uh, they're team players. Yeah, I'm not a politician, but if there's a chance for peace, you know, that's what Grey Worm says. We should take it. Mm-hmm. But I think they also rightly called him out that he kind of put them on the spot. Yeah. Um, right. By making them, you know, like essentially forcing them to agree with him in order to, because like, what are they going to do right in yeah. front of all these slaves? They're going to undercut the guy who has been assigned by Daenerys to rule the city. They can't do that. So he, he, but he, and he knew that. So he kind of cynically made them like, he didn't twist their arm, but he put them in a situation where they didn't have any good options. He did. Um, I think. I think one really cool thing that we're seeing, though, is that whether Danny likes the ideas that he's doing or or not, it's going to be moot because she's she's going to be able to take care of business the way she wants to pretty soon if she ever makes it back to Marine. Yeah, yeah. and I liked Melissa uh, using his quote against a wise man once said, which I didn't do the audio mm-hmm. drop because it was in Valerian yeah. and we wouldn't understand it anyways. <laughs> but that was really cool and you could totally see like she's pained to say it but like I love how both she and Grey Worm don't really agree with him but mm-hmm. they understand politics enough to realize that they need to have a united front or right. everything mm-hmm. will fall yeah Um, one of the things that I found really fascinating watching this whole sequence is because I've also been listening to the audiobook of the Alexander Hamilton biography that was the primary inspiration for the musical. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a really long, it's a 36 hour audiobook. So I've been making my way through it slowly. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that uh, they make a big deal of is that when we're talking about the, you know, the formation of, you know, the United States, you know, with the Revolutionary War and, you know, the initial, there's the Articles of Confederation before they came up with the Constitution a little while later because, you know, and so just this whole idea, these conflicts of like deciding, well, how powerful should the central government be? Should it just be the states that get to do everything or, you know, what can the federal government do? And, you know, like all of these are unsettled questions. But the thing is, even though obviously we think of the Civil War with relation to slavery, there were a lot of people, even during the initial years of the U.S., 
there were a lot of people who wanted to get rid of slavery. But the problem was there were also a lot of people who were basically saying, no, screw you. If that's a condition of forming this union, then we're out. And so it was really a question of, okay, we really do think we need everybody to join in on this or else it's going to just go nowhere. But half of the people we need are just going to leave if we don't, if, if we try to make eliminating slavery now a condition. So we kind of have to just choose. And we're choosing that we need to form the country and hopefully we can, because we're, we're not going to succeed in eliminating slavery if we don't form the country. You know, the, they will just go off and have slavery in their own, you know, their mini nations. And so the idea is that if we form the country, then maybe we can work up to it. And as we saw in the Civil War, it wasn't trivial, even when they tried to get to it 70 years later. But uh, at the same time, it's, it's kind of just these sorts of compromises were absolutely a fundamental part of the politics that went into the formation of the United States. And I mean, you know, one of the big confirm, uh, con, uh, compromises when they were uh, working on the Constitution was the so-called three-fifths compromise. Mm -hmm. Because this, this whole idea of, um, well, in the House of Representatives, a state gets as many representatives as proportional to the population so for some of these Southern states that have tons of slaves in them, they want to say our slaves should count. <laughs> they don't get to vote, but they should count in our population, making us have more representatives. And then the other states are feeling like, well, that doesn't seem fair. Um, and so this whole three-fifths compromise that sounds horrific now, but was the best they could get everybody to agree on at the time was the idea that, okay, we'll count each slave as three fifths of a person <laughs> for the purposes of assigning house of representatives delegates. And it's just like it, that, you know, so all of this stuff, the politics of, of this is, it's absolutely a hundred percent relevant and very, uh, I don't want to say this sequence in the show is historically accurate. Exactly. Right. But <laughs> the, the point is that, it's believable. Yeah. Well, it's and certainly. it rings true. And 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 the illustration is that as idealistic principles have this inspiring quality to them and that's why so many people were rallying behind Daenerys as she's just freeing slaves immediately. But what we're also seeing is that without a more planned transition without some sort of an alternate structure in place, you have all of this historical inertia that you're fighting against and it doesn't make the ideals wrong, but you don't necessarily get the outcome you were hoping for. Whereas maybe a compromise that feels morally republic, uh, repugnant um, or even slimy, kind of like when Tyrion's bringing out the girls mm -hmm. is, like that might 
actually lead to a better outcome right. than the more hardline idealistic approach. And it, but at the same time, what uh, Tyrion is fortunately able to do here is kind of wield both because on the one hand, it's the carrot and the stick, right? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you get to keep slaves for seven years as you free them, you'll get some kind of a compensation for it. We can work together. But, oh, by the way, if you don't want to, we do still have dragons. So <laughs> <laughs> we will destroy you. It, it just goes to show, like, how good at politics Tyrion is, even though a lot of these mm-hmm. things are really ugly. And, you know, I mentioned it last week about how, you know, this this story is like a historical fiction of a history that never happened. Mm-hmm. And this is just another example of how much it feels like history because there's so many similarities. And it, even even in the earlier when when Brienne and and St- and uh, Davos are talking and she's like, you did these horrible things. And he's like, it's in the past. It's like you can't just say it's in the past because you don't want to deal with the fact that you did ugly things. You know, that, that, that always happens. People are like, Oh, you should get over it. Yeah. I should get over it when you're doing something horrible, but then you want to honor it later. Um, and then much like uh, what I, I wrote down that I just loved how, you know, Tyrion's like, Oh, I understand. I was a slave. And then Cindy's like, yeah. How long were you a slave? A month? Oh, okay. You, you don't understand. <laughs> you were you were temporary you were briefly a slave if that i mean really you were a prisoner and um and then she later says you know seven years is not a short time to a slave mm-hmm. and i just i i all of this it just it rings so true it's very believable yeah and, uh, yeah <laughs> i'm saying kudos on writing again it's, it's really <laughs> weird <laughs> Um, I, I just as a kind of a, a looking ahead on that sequence, though, kind of as as Viv was mentioning the idea of what might happen given what happens with Daenerys, I, I can't help but suspect that there is going to be some sort of another big disruption. But I think that it would be a misstep for the story to try to go back to the idea that, oh no, the actual right way is not to compromise, but just to ride into uh, a city with a foreign army and kill everybody who disagrees with you. Well, it's just a thought. I mean, after the scene we just saw with her, it was just a thought and I'm sure we'll find out pretty soon what they'll do. I'm not, I, it would be awesome if it happens in the show, just in terms of exciting and spectacle and all of that and badass, right? But at the same time, I dig the idea of getting into the complexity of it. And I just kind of hope that the show doesn't kind of throw that away by having it have been a waste of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and I do think that hopefully Daenerys has learned something. Mm-hmm. I really like Danny and Tyrion together. So I guess in my heart, I'm hoping that they get realigned before they get before too much more happens. Cause I think that she can learn a lot from him about Westeros and reigning there. I, uh, yeah, I, 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 I look forward to what is to come there, but I don't want to jump ahead because yeah. we haven't discussed Danny yet. <clears throat> yeah. And I was actually thinking we're going to hold Danny off to the end. 
Yeah, that's a good um, idea. Which would mean next up would be going to King's Landing. We head mm-hmm. into a Sept Dungeon. Marjorie gets an audience with the High Sparrow. Mm-hmm. And he basically sets out the theme for Jupiter Ascending that <laughs> <laughs> we all pay for which people's time. Yeah. And Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> yeah, we I... just saw, watched it for the first time last night. And it was essentially this theme that, is that yeah. you are paying for people's time. You're paying for parts of people's lives. That's what all consumerism is. <laughs> and the look on Marjorie's face when he said, yeah, you've probably worn a year's worth of somebody's work, you know, and just like worn it on your back. And it's like, oh, shit, I never thought she actually had a look of like that actually like reached her on some level. That other stuff maybe didn't. <laughs> Can I just say what a good actress Natalie Dormer is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was very compelling in this entire scene. Um, her face acting was amazing. All I could look at were her eyes. I mean, I felt mm-hmm. like I could feel what she was thinking. Um, she was she was fantastic, and it mm-hmm. just shows me this is another one of those divergence that the show has from the books. Marjorie is a real character in the shows, mm-hmm. and she's so strong, mm-hmm. and she's such a great character. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah, the um. I I definitely what is conveyed to me in that whole sequence is this idea of I'm going to play nice and tell them as much of what they want to hear as I can without actually getting myself or Loris into trouble. But I am also trying to maintain myself inside and not let them break me. Right. And yep. so I, you know, that like that bit that you mentioned, Viv, I, I noticed that too. And I kind of what, what struck me there, like, or like my take on it was that there was an element, not necessarily of like, oh, you're right, as much as, um, like, like, oh, that's a good point. How do I incorporate that into my own rationalization for why you're still crazy and I'm right? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, I thought it was interesting how the sparrows, like, you know, where would you go first? And she says, my brother, my husband, my family. And he goes, yes, but that's all money and blah, blah, blah. And all I could think is, no, it's not you. That's, that's not. Fine. That's that's yeah. human relationships. Like, yes, her family is money and power, but that's not why she's going to them. Who did she say first? She said her brother, mm-hmm. not her grandmother. Who, who is very powerful, not her, her husband wasn't even first, who is very powerful, you know, and it just, it shows to me how the high sparrow is a bit skewed. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know? I, well, I took it as for you, that means yeah, power. Right. Safety. For her specifically. For her, I agree. Yeah, that her, her antennas, her, her, her compass is out of alignment and that's why she's here. Right. <laughs> and and I, sin. I, I agree with you, Chooch. I think that it, I think that that's what he was trying to get through to her, and I think that she actually, I think that he got through to her not just on the you know he said I used to spend a lot of many hours on shoes for the rich people, and she just kind of did that quality takes time kind of throwaway, and he was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. that was somebody's life that you wore, and so he caught her attention on that, I think, and then 
I think she had kind of an interesting expression that he talked about her face acting, but like her facial expressions after he was talking about, you know, this is what that means for you is money and power. It was almost like, yeah, is that really, do I really want that now that she's so worried after Loris and she's worried about Tom and we, I don't think we really know yet what her true feelings or what her depth of devotion to Tom is. Um, we know that she's played the role of a loving queen, but I mean, I, I felt like, and maybe Chooch, what do you think? Do you think that he he was able to reach her and that that was why he let her see Loris? Or do yeah, you think that he was just going to dangle that anyways? Uh, no, I think he's clearly manipulating her and he did all this. I think, I think the story may be bullshit. It was a little too perfect. You know, I right. didn't even put my shoes on. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's a little... <laughs> Too, That's too, his shtick, though. Yeah, no shoes. Um, and I guess I don't know. I I've always been down on him. You know, that's not a surprise. And I've mentioned now. I don't know. Well, it comes up later. Um, oh, I I don't think that the faith militant would be able to hold things together without him. Um, right. But I think it's a lot of bravado stuff that I guess I just haven't seen it yet. I'll I'll talk on that a little later. But mm-hmm. um. I don't know. He he just bugs me. I think he is always full of shit. And he tells this whole story. And so your epiphany about your lifestyle sends you down a road that you need to impose your will on the rest of the world. Yep. Um, yeah. And that's not yeah. very <clears throat> yeah. godly. Well, and, or... and not fans of that in any realm. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and what you said, like the story, how much of it is bullshit. Well, the fact that she says, it's from the book of the stranger. Mm-hmm. Just telling me the story from, oh, oh, it's slightly uh, different because it's not a graveyard. It's, it's you walking through a party. Like, come on, dude, really? And, and even if we are to believe this story, oh, I just left my life behind. That goes back to him saying that her, her social connections, her family relations are money and power. He doesn't value that yeah. because he left his world behind. Mm-hmm. He le- has no connection to people as people he has no family he i mean it's it's he's in charge of all of these sparrows and these septas and and so forth but he doesn't have real human connection no and and he can't from what i'm seeing it's like he can't see that people have more value than what they can do for you and all he's seeing is well i was used and so that's all people do is they use other people. He can't imagine that somebody from wealth and power could actually care about somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I personally believe that Marjorie would give things up just for her brother because she Absolutely. loves him that much. Absolutely. I mean, her scheme in all of this was not just about being queen. She was trying to get her brother ascended as well. I mean, yeah. she was always helping. He was always part of her plans every step of the way you know she was going to be renly's beard and that was to help her brother yes she wants to be queen but at the same time it's because that's where her brother was going and Mm -hmm. when she became queen loris was brought up and and given position as well so i yeah i agree she's not no no, not for loris but he's always part of it like Hmm. i think for her, if Loris were to be sent away somewhere, 
or to be killed, that would be like one of the worst things for her. With, well, yeah, with Marjorie and Loris, to me, and, and this is going to sound a little weird, but to me, it's a lot like Jamie and Cersei, ex- mm-hmm. except without the gross incest part. Yeah, they're just, they, I don't, they're devoted to each other. Yeah, they, they have such a connection that I don't think either of them could live without the other. Well, and they come from her a, side. I'm sorry. They come from a similar family uh, that's from Money Lannisters mm-hmm. and, and, um, the Charles, similar money, 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 and uh, the family name and carrying on the tradition of making sure the future generations and blah, 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 yada, yada. So they are very much more thinking like long range plan for the family generations later. And he's talking about today's sins and atonements. And he's, I hadn't really thought of it before she was saying this, but he really does not seem to have a lot of humanism i mean he's very religious but he doesn't seem to see anything beyond the religion and this and the sin to the actual people that he's always talking about Mm -hmm. he's always talking about all the poor and all of this and all of that but yeah i don't know well Hmm. i think in particular what he's aiming for when he tries to say you know oh you would be going back to sin I mean, there's an element of the whole 12-step thing of like, well, you know, if you have, you know, your old friends who are going to tempt you to go back into, you know, to relapse, then you need to not spend time with them. But uh, at the same time, what he's aiming for is for her to, what he would like is for her to do the same thing Lancel did, which is basically renounce her family and her possessions and become one of the sparrows right that, like that would be like the gold medal for him oh my god you know, it's like, like scientology almost it's it like totally is landing a lot Cruise. of that yeah holy well, crap it, here i've been looking at him like he's bernie sanders and he's freaking l ron hubbard damn it <laughs> <laughs> well there's there's a lot of that i think especially in the idea too of getting people to confess to things and then using that against them yeah so Chooch, let me ask you a question because you you aren't you didn't read anything about the sparrow the high sparrow or anything in the books because you read only book one and stopped. Mm-hmm. So I feel like um, I, how do you how do you see the high sparrow? Do you see him as someone that's coming in to truly with good intention kind of clean up the mess that the Lannisters made that Cersei and Jaime made with their children and the incest and the sin and all that stuff? Or do you think that he is another completely different person vying for the iron throne? I'm somewhat confused by the high sparrow. So, and, Mm -hmm. and the discussion um, a little later on the small council room that sort of had a note up there that I, I think I just, it may, must be a translation on the show. They must have, the Faith Militant must have more power. The Sparrows must have more power. And I'm just not seeing it. Because it, it just seems, yeah. I don't know. I guess I just don't see their presence. Because to me, it seems like, you know, you assassinate the Sparrow. And at the same time, Tommen proclaims a new High Septum. Who releases Marjorie and Loras and exonerate Cersei and yeah people are going to be a little upset but those kind of that kind of stuff happens all the time and get just kind of gets washed over so apparently they feel because somebody mentions in that scene civil war apparently they feel that that there's enough support that the 
essentially all the poor would rise up against them and mm-hmm. and overthrow the government. But I just don't that has not come across to me other than people saying it. I've yeah. never seen that as an evidence. Yeah. There have been a lot of scenes where it shows them other like other than like when um Tom and visited um and they talked and he had he had some stand around him for a little while and then there were a couple when Cersei did her walk but you know I I can see that that they're t- saying it instead of showing it and and mm-hmm. what do you ladies think well th- like the last time we saw them flexing their muscles so to speak uh outside of uh where it affects directly our specific characters is when they wrecked up uh, Littlefinger's brothel, mm-hmm. right? And so that happened. Sure. And I think that it's the show you're, you're right. Is not really doing a good job of conveying whether that stuff's still going on. How many of them are there? Do how much popular support do they have? Um, the show's not really getting into it, but I do think that the intent is basically just to say, there's no question whatsoever that if they just brought in their troops, kind of like they talk about doing with the, the Terrell army, it's like, if we just bring in like actual soldiers, we will take these guys apart in minutes. But the problem is everybody else who's already on edge and having conflicted feelings about, well, we're supposed to pray to the gods, um, but you know, I don't really, and I'm supposed to follow the king, but I don't know if I really like any of them, and I don't know what's going on. But given that the whole like what everybody's been told is the right thing all their lives in this city is mm-hmm. the twin pillars, right? Right, the king and the gods, you know, and and if all of a sudden the king were to go, we don't like what you're doing anymore kill all of you. Everyone's going to, I think rightly feel, wait a minute, that's not okay. Right. And the whole, the Sparrow's whole message is the way that their movement grows up, like the, the grassroots element, so to speak, is that, well, I think you're probably right that the high Sparrow is enough of a leader that they would, certainly suffer for through lack of him if they were to kill him. But the point is that if you just take them out, he becomes a martyr. And then how many more people join up just because they're mad about that? Yeah. Yeah. But then of course we have Elena pointing out, it's like, well, there are going to be lots of people die no matter what we do better them than us. (laughs) That was another another reunion that I really enjoyed. I mean, we got we've got we got so many, but we we got Marjorie and Loris, and we haven't seen Loris in a while, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, and just seeing how much he's degenerated compared to her, and and another strong woman, you know, giving a pep talk to a guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that happens a lot in this show. So maybe that's what they meant when they were saying the year of the woman that the women were going to be making the changes, even though bad shit was going to still be happening to them. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. Yeah, he seems really at the Can clearly I, at the end of his rope. <laughs> Go ahead, Nettie. Can I just say that Olena is freaking badass, and I love her. And this is even more proof. Like we know she tried to get that that she got uh, Joffrey killed, and she's been working against this. But she just sits there. She listens to argument. She's like, "Well, people are going to die anyway. Yeah, let's do this. All right, boom." 
and she can just get over personal grievances like that well, she's all about what's best yeah and i think that the way cersei came into it and was talking about you know these are this is your family these are your kid your grandkids that are sitting in prison and, and all that stuff you know she made it clear that this is about the children and and I think that that was very convincing to Elena because the last time, like, you know, they're reunited in this scene for the first time in a while. I guess maybe they did briefly walk out on the small council meeting last week. But like, as far as a true interaction between these really two strong women, mm-hmm. I thought this was a really, they did so much with their eyes, I think, in communicating, okay, all right, I see where you're coming. I don't know what you're going to screw me over with that way, but it just seemed like they really came to like a meeting of the minds because it all came from like the, the, the maternal protection protection of the future generations. But I thought that was an interesting dynamic and, and with Kevin as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. It's the, you know, the intervening scenes where say had found out Tom and had spoken to the high sparrow and, and clearly, so we got our answers there. Of, I guess he did just kind of do that all on his own. So Cersei's mm-hmm. ready to make an alliance and some interesting things came up. I mean, they've, mentioned before how high garden has been sending food to king's landing and all that so we know that they have bountiful harvests and all that sort of thing but they explicitly say in the show high garden has the second largest army in westeros mm-hmm. it's like god damn that's that's you know they didn't realize they were that serious you know of a well course. It, if you and, recall mm-hmm. sorry, i don't mean to interrupt but just on that note mm-hmm. that's why it was such a big deal way back in the battle of the blackwater that um, that's what saved King's Landing from Stannis's forces is that Tywin showed up with the Tyrell army mm-hmm. um, and Marjorie saying, you know, Marjorie's going to be the new, the new yep. uh, queen. Um, and uh, so that's, that's, they do have an army and that's a big part of what's kind of helped prop up the Lannisters for a while now. Yeah. And and so, that's why Tyrion sent Littlefinger to strike that deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as as Renly died, is he he sent Littlefinger to set that up because he's like, you know what? They're big. This is important. This will sway the tide. And then, who the what now? Bring them into the city? Are they fucking stupid? <laughs> this is the insane insanity plan. This they are so I, stupid. <laughs> I can't help but oh, sorry. Something similar happened in the past, right? Yep. What's the last time an army came striding into King's Landing? I think there was kind of like a mad king that died and mm. <laughs> or yeah, like Robert's thing, didn't he march an army into King's Landing? Yeah. Yeah, but then so did the Tyrells at the Battle of the Blackwater. Mm. Into the city? Well, yeah. but that that was also specifically forcing out the other invading army. Yeah. You know, it was a little different in that context. They were the saviors in that one. Yeah. But uh I I wonder if all of this might actually secretly be the High Sparrows plan, um, in the sense that we only have this information because the High Sparrow told Tommen and then Tommen yeah. told Cersei and then Cersei tells everybody else. I can't help but wonder if the high sparrow isn't trying to like he's doing a lot of the stuff he's doing he wants to kind of he wants to provoke the yeah. sort of attack that will make everybody rise up and then just tear down the monarchy yeah because then he doesn't have to fight him if they tear each other down 
he just comes in with his seven pointed star and saves everybody that's left. Well, like he's the kind, see, like as far as his motivations, like I, I didn't really weigh in on this earlier. I mean, previous seasons I, I have. My current take on the character is that he's, he's sincere in his way, which does not make him not manipulative, but it's just that what he sincerely wants is not necessarily power for himself in the same way that like, Oh, he wants the iron throne. He wants there to not be an iron throne. Mm -hmm. He's the one that thinks that we should just tear down the whole system, burn the red keep to the ground and everybody will just rule themselves. They'll be an anarchist uh, collective. I don't think he thinks that everyone will rule themselves. I think he wants the faith to be in charge. Um, I do think that he wants to tear. He does want to tear down the monarchy, but I think he wants the faith to have a role in how the people are governed. That that's pretty standard for the religious, you know. A lot of historical, you know, yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, crusades, all that. Mm -hmm. My my point (laughs) is though that it's not. He does not want the Iron Throne. Yes, and I agree with you there. Down that whole system. And even if everybody's new social structure is governed, dictated, um, guided, enforced by the faith, it's not from this top-down perspective. His idea is it's not that everybody should listen to me. It's that everybody should live the way that I do, which is, you know, humble and serving the gods in the way that he interprets that. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. And and I can t- I I get the idea. I mean, I'm one of these people, you know, and and we discovered this last year at Balticon, but when people say who do you want to sit on the iron throne? I want the iron throne gone. And I think that uh, you know, getting rid of the monarchy system is a great idea. Uh, I just don't think that this is the way. Mm-hmm. Well, but when the game, when the series is called a Game of Thrones, and there's one throne that everyone's been fighting over so far, it's it's going to take a lot to just get rid of it. It's going to take a real revolution and social change, which is kind of what the High Sparrow seems to be trying to cook up. Mm-hmm. Lip the board over. Yeah, flip the table. See what's <laughs> left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can we jump over to Pike? Mm. Theon coming home, and as I think Christiana said last week, how there's clearly playing with travel time, like we mentioned yeah. earlier, yeah. for the sake of plot timing. Somehow Theon gets to Pike in the same time it takes Sansa to get to Castle Black. Um, but hey, we get a scene that is a similar, or quite a parallel to Loras, where you have a sister trying to hold their broken brothers together, though mm-hmm. Yara has a bit of a different approach <laughs> you know as you would expect from mm-hmm. an iron islander she's a little tougher like you know quit sniveling quit saying you're sorry stand up mm-hmm. be a man basically <laughs> yeah yeah and what do you well, want there's she's also a little bit primed to be suspicious of family estranged family members thought dead suddenly showing up right when there's going to be a power vacuum yeah yeah which like, we know she can't he help didn't but know. Little, yeah but she, we can understand that why that would be her first reaction is like, 
Oh, no. No, no, no. You don't get to just show up now. <laughs> well, and he's not the only one that did it. Her uncle did the same thing. Well, that's that was my point. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, we don't know that she knows that yet. Probably not, right? As far as we know, he's still in hiding. Oh, that's true. I kind of just assumed right, that everybody knew he was I don't around. think anybody knows he's there, although yeah. I suspect he's in cahoots with some people and he's been laying some groundwork. But as far as she knows, yeah. I guess she does wouldn't know he's there. there. The show is kind of screwing us up a little bit because it, it sets up the idea of a Kingsmoot, but they didn't really make it clear to us what that means or who the other candidates would be. And that's not kind of how it was in the books. In the books, they have the Kingsmoot because there are lots of people trying to claim it. And it's not just like, oh, in principle, we're going to see if anybody wants to be king. Right. It's 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 more like there seem to be a lot of uh, it's contested, and that's why they have a king's king's moon. I think I'm just kind of expecting them to do like a lot of that in like make an episode kind of heavy with that whole like the drowned god, the brothers, the king's moon. I think we're going to have one really heavy episode like when we had the black water and everything was in King's landing for most of that episode. I think it's going to be kind of like that because it's still a lot to cover just from what was in what I remember reading, which was before book five. So Mm. I I think it's going to have to be, I don't think they're going to spread it across episodes episodes like they're doing with other storylines because it is a lot of information to try and Mm -hmm. make sense of unless they're just doing this kind of glancing brush over the whole thing and don't really get into it. They really have not addressed what it is. And I agree. They haven't shown much contention between beyond the priest telling Yara that it's not going to be her. Yeah. Yeah. Slow you um, roll. <laughs> I don't think that so, I think uh, they'll skip it next week. And then sorry. episode six, they'll be the big King's mood episode. <laughs> so um, apparently there were scenes shot where Euron was at Balon's funeral, but they were cut. Right on. Uh, and I know that we only respond to things that are in the show, but apparently there are pictures of him at the funeral, but they never made it to air. <coughs> right on. Interesting. So yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I think that I think we could even look at the titles of the future episodes and probably even identify which one. But I'm really interested because it was it really it was really interesting because the religion is so different at the Pike, and the politics are so different. And I thought that it was really interesting the way that uh, George wrote those in the books. And I'm, I'm curious to see how they're going to handle it here. Cause it's a different, it's, it's so different from what we're used to yeah. that it will take a little bit of explaining, but I'm excited to see what they do with it either way. Mm-hmm. Well, and it really can't happen quite the way that it did in the books because we don't right. have all of the same pieces in play. Yeah. Yerp. <laughs> <laughs> The pike was uh, fairly brief. Then we head over mm-hmm. to Winterfell, where Ramsay has mm-hmm. a chat with Osha. Yeah, who initially seems I... like she'd be a challenge right up his alley, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she certainly got an, a reaction from him when she asked mm-hmm. if he ate the skin after. I yeah, the, I I had really mixed feelings on the scene, it just in the sense that, like, obviously, I'm very sad. Right. For Osha to be dead. But given that feeling, 
I think it was actually a really good scene in a couple of ways. Mm -hmm. It did some heavy lifting. Like I saw a couple of people complaining about like, why bring Osha back just to kill her? And I'm like, what you would rather they kill her off screen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then we have to wonder if if she's another. Nobody has to worry about that. Yeah, No, it's, it's, it's much better if to, to resolve that. Like if they don't have an, if they need Rickon back, but they don't have anything for Osha, then better to make it definitive and to give her a, a, like a challenge. And, but like, I think like w- what you, you were saying about like, Oh, she, she'd be like a challenge to him. It seemed like he was maybe into it a little bit or like, you know, she could, he, he might want her to be the new Miranda or something. And she seems like she's acting like she's gunning for that, which I think we all know yeah. would be a ruse. Right. 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 But I thought that what this scene did really effectively is to show that now that he is in charge, he is actually starting to think a little bit more strategically. And basically where he comes down on the end is, is like, yeah, Theon told me all about you. (laughs) I know better now than to mess around with giving you anything. So you're just going to try to screw me over at your first opportunity. So I'm going to get you first. Yeah. Exactly. And finishes Apple. Yeah. He doesn't even call in for another girl. He's just like, yeah. wipes off his knife. Good Apple. Mm-hmm. So, as my heart bleeds out onto the floor with hers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he says, you know, he told me all about what she did and how she did it. So I don't, yes. I couldn't remember how she did it. Like, why, why was that he significant? Was, they were in bed. He was going to bang her. Remember, that was our naked Osha. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She, so seduced, she yeah. seduced. Yeah, exactly. She seduced and then um, got the fuck out. <laughs> That's right. Yep. And so. the, mm. the whole scene though, I have to say like, as much as I love the character of Osha and I hate to see her dead and I hate to see her outsmarted. It was such a great scene. Yeah. And it, yes, a female has been murdered by a, a misogynistic. So, so right, 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 right. But she was strong and held her own in the entire mm-hmm. thing. And I think that it was a good scene for a strong woman. And it showed how awesome her character is, how yeah. she handled him, how she spoke back to him, how she never gives up. Yeah. She never gave up. She, she was keeping her eye on that thing. She was going to defend Rickon. Yes. To the very end. And she did. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the other thing. Um, you know, she didn't swear an oath, but she basically made herself Rickon's protector. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she did that till up until the very end, you know, she continued that struggle and that is a testament to her character. Um, The way she handled him was great. And I'm sure everybody enjoyed the whole, yeah, you flay them. Do you eat them after? (laughs) And, and, and the looks between the two of them, I mean, it was flawless. I I really did enjoy it. You've seen my banners. (laughs) The flayed man. Does that worry you at all? You eat them after. No. And I've seen worse. <laughs> yeah. So, like, so the, I mean, the the only complaint that you know that I've heard uh, about it is, is kind of there's just this element of do we need another scene of him being a monster? And while I I'm sympathetic to that general trend right i feel like 
the way he does it here is actually distinctly different from what he's done in the past. I agree. It's not just for fun. This is not just for the hell of it because he's a monster. This is him foreseeing a problem and taking specific steps to solve it. Now right. he does it in his own particular style, but it wasn't just like, Oh, Hey, let's uh, cut off her fingers and make her suffer for a long time. You know, just because that amuses me or make her my new reek yeah. or something like, well, he um, did kind of toy with her a little bit. He did toy with her a bit, but he, he certainly yeah. didn't let it last. And he really did demonstrate his cunning. I agree with you completely. Yeah. Well, I, and I, I think this scene says something. Sorry. It's not just gore porn. And, and and I think that's what you're trying to say, Christiana, is that so many times the scenes that we get are, it's just gore porn, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not relevant to the story. It doesn't tell us anything. This told us something. This showed us a difference in his behavior, and it wasn't just gore porn. Mm-hmm. It was handled well. Yeah. I, I think he toyed with her to the extent that he did because he was basically just sizing her up to get a yeah. sense of like, well, is she the way Theon described? Yeah. And he gave her enough time to say, yes, she absolutely is. And so she <laughs> keeps the knife in her neck. So Chooch, as far as like the kinds of, of types of, of characters and stuff, you know, we talk about chaotic, good, chaotic, neutral. He's like chaotic fucking crazy. Right. Oh yeah. But he's, I mean, he, it's like Christiana said, he saw the threat and he eliminated it. But I think that he also is, which he learned from his dad, he's willing to take shortcuts that other people might not want to take, that like kind of questionable ethics and things like that, which we saw him do with his dad and his stepmother and his brand new baby brother. But um, it really did. I just was so upset over her death. I love that actress. I loved her in Harry Potter. How could mm-hmm. you not? And, and I think it also told how fiercely she feels that Rickon needs defending now. Like she's like refusing to give up, gave her life, literally poured it out on the floor because she knows that all he had was shaggy dog and her, his, his dire wolf and her and the dire wolf's already gone. And it was like, this was like her last throwing herself at, you know, a mad dog, literally just trying to get them clear of danger again it was just downright chilling. And I get, I mean, I do get the, we've seen him do a lot of evil things, but I think it's more and more showing us another aspect of just how scary he is when he has power. And in a way she got off easy comparing what he's done to other people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's kind of the best outcome with him when you're his prisoner. Other than yeah. Escaping. I mean, it's good that he feared her, I guess, because he didn't fear Waldo. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, you know, I mentioned before, but this is, he took the other last thing that Rick, Rick only had two things, Shaggy Dog and Osha. Mm-hmm. And now Rick has nothing. And we know that Ramsey is great with mind games. So let's just hope that the two forces from, from the veil and from mm-hmm. Castle Black. Wait, where's the veil in Castle Black? I'm confused. Uh, the Vale is southeast of Winterfell. That's right. Castle Black is north. Okay. And does he have to, he has to cross the twins, right? Not until they get south of Winterfell. I mean, from the Vale to get up to Winterfell. From the Vale. I can't, ooh, um, I can't remember. How did Lillian get that? 
pulling up my map too. I mean, you could sail around that. Presumably, stuff, if but... you said, "Way, we're heading to Winterfell," they'd be like, um, "Go on ahead. Can we join you?" Yeah. <laughs> right, the phrase. Right. <laughs> you think they'd be yeah, happy to join the, um, the Vale, the Erie in the Vale, is north of the river that the twins. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Um, so there's no phrase involved. So yeah, they don't have to. They don't have to go through the twins. Although when when he said let's jump into the fray, you know that is what yeah. I thought. I'm like, is that a pun? <laughs> right? Well, you know the twins are practically on the way, even if they don't have to cross the river. Yeah. Yeah. So if that news has made it south, then uh, yeah, they may want to join in. Yeah, and we know the ravens are still running. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poisoned by our enemies. Right. <laughs> Well, and then the letter that arrived from from Ramsey, although I guess they didn't say if it was a raven or or if it was a, a writer or something. Yeah. I kind of feel like they said raven, but it was a big old hunk and piece of paper. It was a pretty big scroll, yeah. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, let's, he just let's said letter. Head okay. back over to uh, outside Vase Dothrak and have our last scenes um, that will run in a row. So we first open with Jorah and Dario planning their prison break, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. We find out that Dario really loves his knife, which they have not really so much alluded to in the show, but we know we've had l- plenty of descriptions in the book of how he always played with it. Mm-hmm. We've it's seen it a cool looking. Well, uh-huh. we've seen it before, the knife. Right, yeah, but they just didn't make as big like of a deal of it like as they did in the books. Yeah. I'm just saying. And uh, Dario learns Jorah's stone skin secret. Mm. It's like, oh, he took it better than I would have expected. Yeah, yeah, I was really surprised by that. I, I think that was a lot of. Um, all right, I need to just tackle Daenerys right now, and and yeah. I'll deal with that later. But I was, I was a yeah. bit surprised. It was like, it didn't touch you. You know what happens? Yeah. Okay. Well, like, I, we'll, we'll put I a suppose, pin in that. <laughs> We've got a job to do. You know, yeah. He is pragmatic, so maybe it's just kind of a, well, I'm not going to turn his help away now when it's just the two of us out here against 100,000 Dothraki. Um, Gods are pretty so, good. He's going to die tonight, so hey. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Christiana. Um, uh, well, so, and I guess just their, their whole plan is a little bit ridiculous to begin with. First, I, I'm, I'm totally willing to forgive it, but just the idea that it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that it's just this entire city that they're going to stick out like sore thumbs, no weapons. And it's like, okay, well, they only really had to get past those two guys. And then they just found their way straight to Daenerys and just happened gonna... to show up right when she was going out to make water. Just or get fresh air, depending on who you are. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it was a great, great little mini battle. There was night falls, and they go in, and they're and Jorah tries to do his yeah. dirty trick, throw the sand. Yeah, <laughs> that, just was like, funny. Bit, that was so up, cute. I guess I they that. did technically know where she would be, so it does make it a little bit more acceptable. They do, they do know where to go. Yeah. Yeah. Jorah pretty, I think he outlined it, you know, this is where that is. That's where this is. This is where she'll be. So Mm -hmm. that was at least, Hey, you know, at least they always keep it set up the same way. Those roving 
I will give credit to uh, Dario. It's like, okay, now that they've seen a stab wound, they'll know. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to beat him with a rock as much as I can. <laughs> yeah. I hope nobody notices. <laughs> and it was a great look. Well, smash, smash. As a follow-up to that, I love the call later where someone's <laughs> trying to tell him, well, Ago got his head beat in with a rock. And then it's like, you think I care? Look, he rode with me. He was blood of my blood. He got his head beat in by the with a rock. Fuck him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he should have been looking around and keeping his eyes open. Idiot. <laughs> Who dies by rock <laughs> when you're in a calisar, you know? Yeah. You, you, you died by rock and this doth rock. Like you must <laughs> obviously you do not deserve to live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so Danny was talking to this very young woman who's essentially been here half of her life and puts an awful lot of trust that, (laughs) all right, some shit's going to go down, but you'll keep my secret, right? Well, but they had that little quick bond of, don't you wish he died sooner? And they're like, (laughs) and then it was almost like they were like bonded, you know, they related over something that probably they're never actually allowed to say out loud to each other. Um, and and it was she the woman was young enough i think that she was just kind of in, i mean everybody's enchanted by her when they see her silver hair and she's so perfect and beautiful mm. and and i think that she just kind of fell under her thrall when and it just freaking also, worked kinda, out for her for once and she kind of opened with you really have three dragons <laughs> mm-hmm. like, oh, <laughs> that yeah. was really great yeah. well and and we basically learned that this woman is a slave you know, she wasn't raised Dothraki. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was found and then turned made into a wife, which was basically she was enslaved and she suffered nothing but horrors. And so she had, you know, luckily only mm-hmm. four years of that. And then she's been here ever since. She's had no choice and no will over her own life. And what is one of the things that Daenerys does really well? Free slaves mm-hmm. and, and, and get people who are in those positions to rally with her. Yeah. I, I What I love so much, and this isn't even quite getting into the big climactic scene, but I just loved Daenerys's take and her approach to this whole thing. It's like, so she had her introduction last week, and, and I thought that the whole women's prison, Orange is the New Black thing, absolutely <laughs> held true. Um, but I just love, though, that unlike, say, Piper in uh, Orange is the New Black, Daenerys, you know, like she takes a little bit to sort of get her bearings, meet meet the people involved, get a lay of the land. But then once she's kind of, once she's uh, walked the grounds and seen the uh, situation, she just kind of goes, nah, <laughs> nah, not doing this, not doing this. <laughs> oh my God. The, so the, the... I, I love the, the, no, no, don't rescue me. I got this, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just and need this your help whole with a few story things. Arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. This whole story arc, I think, is where they're talking about the year of the woman because she wasn't saved by her dragons. She wasn't saved by men. She did it all on her own. So this was a great scene, obviously. Danny gets her hearings. They start talking. And then all of a sudden, shaboom. To yeah. me, it felt like where the fuck did that come from? She just went from, you know, 
being all sulky because people aren't impressed with her titles. She's again. And I guess it's kind of a similar repeat where she's just like, oh, nobody really cares. Nobody cares about me. They don't believe me. But then all of a sudden she just feels empowered and just slaughters. It just seems like it it came out of left field. I, I think that that particular burn down the building kind of plan happened only because she saw Dario and Jora at that moment. I don't mm. know what she was going to do during the hearing. Otherwise, maybe she would have done it, but she would have had to worry about the guards outside the door because that yeah. was something really handy that they that they took care of for her. Otherwise, there would have been soldiers in the room immediately. Mm. I don't think she I mean, you know, there was uh, I heard someone joke about, you know, well, what about the you always have one person in government outside of the room in case the plane goes down or whatever, you know, in case a, a bomb goes off or something. And, um, you know, the, f- the fact to me was that it's unthinkable. It was utterly unthinkable to anybody that an entire room of cows calls mm-hmm. and there, and there were miscellaneous guys behind them that didn't look like they had power, but they were either blood riders or sli- slaves of some sort to them. It appeared, but um, like that one tiny little silver haired woman mm-hmm. could kill all of them in a room all at once, that it kind of makes sense that they all wanted to be in the room. They didn't want to miss the show and they don't worry about things like, you know, someone burning them all to death. Mm-hmm. She just yeah. really made use of that unburnt title. Like she hasn't done yeah. since season one. Well, yeah, they, and mm-hmm. that, that was why this didn't come out of left field for me because this was just, it was right along this whole arc that I had been kind of predicting slash hoping for. Um, in the sense that she's been lost because she's trying to do this stuff that doesn't come naturally to her, uh, trying to rule Marine, dealing with the you know intricacies of the politics, having to make all these compromises that are just very uncomfortable, and she's kind of lost her way. She has to lock up her dragons, and then since then she's been you know on on the road. She doesn't know what's happening. She's off balance, but then once she's there and she starts first of all, like she starts to be, you know, there's a familiar aspect to this that's reminding her of the first time that she took her own power. And it happened in this same place. And it was this reminder of how she, when she was just a slave, the you know, the sold wife to a strange Dothraki and how did she grow from that? It was just her. Then she didn't even have her dragons. Then that's how she got her dragons. And so once she was there and she started, she kind of recognizes this. And it was just this reminder of these women act like they're in charge, but they're really not right. They're ruled over by these guys. that are just as bad as any other guys. They're not special. Mm-mm. They just have the weapons, and they've convinced everybody to lie down. Well, I'm not gonna, and I know that I this is something I can do, and so it's it's like finding her season one self again, not the beginning of season one, but that season one finale. Yeah, of mm-hmm. you know, tie that witch to the pyre because she's burning too. Yeah. You know, it's like, you'll not hear me scream. 
Oh yes, I will. <laughs> yeah. And um and so I thought that that's where it came from. It was just that it was like this reminder of like, oh yeah, yeah. I can do this. Yeah, I can do this too. I don't. This is not um trying to negotiate well okay i guess that slave wants to sell himself back and be mm-hmm. a slave i mean i don't want to like what i'm going to force him to not do that that seems weird but i don't i'm <laughs> uncomfortable with this i guess well that's what we'll do oh man now my best friend just got killed this sucks yeah whereas this was back and i was like oh no okay this feels right again because now she, it's it's like she's back on the right track which i should the the additional wrinkle that I don't always bring up with this particular theory of mine is that this idea of like her, you know, destiny or what she's supposed to do. There's an element of like, according to who? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And whatever this power is that thinks that she's supposed to do things a certain way, what do they want? Are they necessarily good? Is because she clearly has magical support going on here right she's got she's unburned she woke the dragons like there's real magic happening there it's Mm -hmm. coming from somewhere is it just some natural resource in the world that she can just tap into because of the lord of light because it's fire it could be (laughs) i mean there's obviously our preview from next time <laughs> we see a red priestess showing up at the uh, in marine a red comet mm-hmm. shooting through the sky in earlier seasons i mean you know yeah. there's lots of red signs hopefully it's sending yeah. her north to go deal with the the ice warriors coming from the north right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, like so that's why it didn't feel like it came from out of uh left field to me to me it was more like um this is such a dumb analogy, but it's, it's like um, you, you have a bunch of water damage like in your, your roof and it ruins like almost all of your clothes. And so as you're going into the closet and you're dig- and you're having to throw out all of the stuff that you've worn in the last few years that was fr- in front, cause it was all ruined. But then what you find out is that the only stuff that's still good is the stuff that was way in back and you find it and you're like, Oh, that's right. I remember this. I haven't seen this in a while, but boy, yeah, this is this is what I need right now. Yeah, and and that's it was kind of rediscovering that part of herself that took going back to where she found it in the first place. Well, and that's, that heart, and and it was also with the Dothraki horde that she was liberated from her brother. Mm-hmm. It was in a very similar kind of a situation where it's the same building. Well, I mean, exactly. But I mean, it was a different situation because it was just the men and her in there today. But it was mm-hmm. it it's definitely a place that would give her a sense of power because that's where she's done the mightiest things for sure. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, Chooch? Does that make more sense or do you still call bullshit? <laughs> so I said before that I didn't know where all this was going. And it, okay. was, it was clearly not just that Dario and and romance are going to come romance novel are going to save him romance novel it's and it's not just the dragons are going to save her because that would be boring so this happening i thought was awesome right to me it just came out of nowhere that it was just i don't know that all of a sudden so there's little nitpicky things for me it felt like it came out of nowhere there was no precursor that she was going to have this kind of epiphany thing that kind of happened and right. that, like, none of them could jump over the fire and get to her. Like, 
that seemed kind of silly. I understand there's oil in the things, but uh, it's a nitpick though. I loved the yeah. scene and I like what yeah. happened. I just didn't fully buy it. Yeah. That it would have I, I, I think that, you know, a lot of it was uh, she was getting the lay of the land and she was formulating a plan as things came about and she didn't really know what she was doing until the moment that she decided. Uh, but I like what Christiana was talking about and how she had to look back into her past to find the strength. And I'm really excited about this because this is one of those things that I think this may be something that's going to happen in the books. Um, and if it doesn't, that's fine, but it's kind of neat. This is, this is definitely something that could be happening in the books. Uh, and in the books, when we're in her point of view chapters, she's always saying, if I look back, I'm lost. If I look back, I'm lost. I always have to look forward. And right. she's, it's very frustrating to read and it's not that exciting. And then in this case, she looks back. She remembers who she is. She remembers she's the unburnt. And she's able to reclaim her power and reclaim who she is. And I'm very excited about what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really neat because the core of her character has been, I won't look back, but that's exactly what she needed to do. Right. Yeah. I think now would be a good time for the dragons to show up because she's already rescued herself. So that'd be great for them to kind of swoop in like, all right, let's get this show back on the road. Convoy (laughs) dragons and the Kalasars. I think so that, the question i guess the sixty-four thousand dollar question does she take back essos take back all the slaver towns or is she done with the starter kingdom and head on to westeros now (laughs) and that's where i say that i really really hope she gets reunited with at least Tyrion. i can't i just don't see her really leaving without masende though I think it would be hard for her to leave Masende behind more than anybody else. I think Grey Worm would also be difficult. Tyrion, maybe not as much because they're so recently like mm-hmm. united in their efforts. But I, I think she'd have a hard time leaving Masende in Slaver's Bay. You know what I mean? Hmm. I can't like imagine they would just thing. leave them to fend for themselves in Marine. I can't right. imagine that. Yeah. Just from a storytelling predictive tropey sort of analysis I suspect because they've set up in this season the idea of Marine's fleet got burnt someone else has a fleet maybe that fleet's gonna mean something and matter to the story in some way and so my guess is that the idea of suddenly Marine has a brand new fleet that came from Westeros my guess would be that it's not just gonna be Danny with just her dragons just flies over it it might oh, be yeah. there might be an element of now we've got well so one of the she's got to get the Kalasar over there yeah. yeah that's how she takes westeros quickly anyways mm-hmm. yeah well and she even talked about going across the sea on wooden horses and yeah. and what dario uh, dario jeez drogo promised her yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. It was. It was. We were reminded in this episode that that was the original plan. Yeah, I think we heard the battle plan tonight <laughs> in this episode. <sighs> Whiz right. bang! Wow, big episode. <laughs> 
So we don't know if, if next week we're going to skid back to a halt and do some more rebuilding or if they're going to carry the momentum. They yeah. definitely keep us guessing. Yeah. So ratings, are we at ratings or was there more yeah. feedback? Oh, feedback. Well, I know we're not getting anything from the Q&A channel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> technically, it says, we have any still, emails? it says there's still two viewers. <laughs> oh. Didn't have any emails this week, no. No emails. Okay. Okay. So ratings. Well, mine for last week, since I wasn't able, I wasn't feeling up to being on um, 9.75. Wow. That brings us from a 72. uh, (laughs) What is wrong with you people? My God. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. But from a 72 to a what? I'm just going to start going 100. 10 starts every episode. Put me down now, Nutty. I'm bringing the average up before you can bring it down. 10 stars. 10, 10, 10, I don't know. 10 pissed off septas throwing Bibles or whatever they're called. <laughs> Seven okay. point star. Yes. Yes. So how about for this episode? Ten. <laughs> it's got a ten rating right now. Um well I'm going to contribute to that trend by rating it ten crispy calls. Ooh. Ten out of ten crispy calls. That's, That's crispy. crispy. Yeah, crispy with a K and call with a K. There yeah. it is. Chooch? Mm. Uh just a 10 crispy calls was on my list, but I also thought I would rate it 10 uh, out of 10 reunions. Oh yeah. There were so many. Um, I am not rating it 10 out of 10. Um, I am rating it high. I, I, I was hoping I'd come up with a exact rating um, while you guys were rating, but then everybody went 10 and I'm like, what 10 really? Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be generous, a little more generous than I would have at the beginning of this uh, <laughs> recording, uh, mostly because I can't think of why I would bring it down. I just wasn't as excited, um, and I'm going to give it nine out of ten. Tormund Moon Eyes. Oh my god! <laughs> so uh, this is our highest rated episode so far. It was definitely my. Do you mean like of all time or are you just this no, of this, of this yeah. season? <laughs> this yeah, season. certainly my favorite episode so far of the season. Yeah. I, I, I didn't. I think they've the all been awesome. <laughs> I haven't hated any of them. Oh, I know. I'm just, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I, I watch a lot of TV because I've got so much dead brain time. And compared to like 95% of what's on television, this stuff is like, you know, Tolkien almost. <laughs> so good. So technically, um, our highest rated episode is actually from season four, where it got a 13.4 out of 10. <laughs> and that was the children. And that's because uh, Chooch, that? Chooch and Viv both rated it 200%. <laughs> Um, and uh, PD and I were the grumps on that episode with only 8.5, but we've had, uh, in season, in season two and season three, we had some, uh, 10 out of 10s. Oh my God. That's too funny. Hashtag soulmate. (laughs) This is the highest rated episode in the last two seasons. So that's, that's interesting to know. Oopsie. And I believe, and I just want to double check to make sure, 
uh, that they don't didn't change the name on me because they've done that before. But mm. I believe that yes, the next episode is the door. The D O O R. Yep. Gotcha. They haven't described it this way in the um, show, but I highly suspect this has to do with a certain uh, bit of architecture within the house of mm-hmm. black and white. I don't want to think about it. I don't even watch the trailers between the episodes right now. I don't even want to know. I would expect (laughs) there's lots of doors there. There's so many doors. The red door Hmm. from Danny's past. But I I like where you're going there. And then there's that door that Ned was about to bust in in the past with the uh, the tower. It's in the box. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. I, I think we're talked out. <laughs> yes. I'm Everybody? a little punchy right now. <laughs> oh, I there was one note I just as I'm crossing off my list. Um mm-hmm. At the end scene and uh, they're all watching Daenerys not be burned. Um, was it just me or did Jorah look scared? Um, yeah, a little. Okay. Daria I, I was, was like, wow. He had never I, seen anything like Dario that. was in love. Yeah. His was his was the reaction that I caught. Chooch, what did you think of? Like, uh, yeah, I only saw Dario. I didn't really notice Dora. Mm. I thought Dario was kind of like, I've been hitting that. Holy crap! Like, like he like gained a whole level of like awareness of the fact that she's these aren't just words that she's saying. He's mm-hmm. seen the dragons and he's been impressed by so many things. But I I think this was the first time that she was burned or unburnt mm-hmm. in front of him. <laughs> Well, Sounds weird to say. Is he unburnt in front of yeah. me? And it, I mean, it's not even just the display of that particular superpower as impressive right. as it is. But honestly, just the, the, the dramatic staging and the, the, the showmanship involved. Yeah. Um, and just not took only out that. all and, the calls. Like, <laughs> right. And like the, um, I think Jorah was scared. I mean, he's odd. But like, again, it's just this element of. Like dragons, once you've had them around for a little while, like you can probably start to take them for granted a little bit. But it's been a while since there was something so obviously supernatural happening. And also this idea of... I'm I'm thinking of Hamilton again. History has its eyes on me. Um, the, the idea of this just changed the game because the plan was Dario and Jorah are going to come in and rescue her and take her back to Marine. Now she has apparently murdered all of the Dothraki calls and everyone there is bowing to her. She Tens is of thousands control. of people. That that is a game change on an epic scale, and so that is striking. And so, even for someone who already loves and respects her, that's that is a big move that I yeah. think is intimidating for anyone, yeah. except for her because she's got it it's, figured out. It's like the Jon Snow moment when he comes out and he walks for the first time where everybody else can see him when he leaves that room and it's the wildlings mm-hmm. and the remaining brothers. And they're just as odd as the, the hundred thousand Dothraki, I think. 
Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that's definitely does it for me. So reminder mm-hmm. to all of our, our audio listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can hit uh, YouTube slash Specfic Media and you can see our recordings of these since we do re- do a live stream. Obviously, a lot of people can't hang out with us because time zones and weeknights and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the videos are always up there for you to check out anytime you want. Uh, please hit our iTunes page. As Nutty said, look, look, uh, do a search for Specfic Media in the iTunes store so you find the correct Beyond the Wall because there are a few of them in there. And you'll see our, our uh, what is it, a lot of reds, a lot of oranges logo where you see yeah. the tree yep. and you'll us stand in front of the tree. You'll, you'll know when you see it. A couple of dire wolves in there with us. <laughs> the, the, the sad little podcast with no current reviews. So please leave yeah. a review. Please share it to other people. Um, make sure that you're actually subscribed to the right feed because I, as far as I know, like our actual feed hasn't changed and you've been getting the episodes even though we weren't in the store. So I think you'll be okay, but you may want to double check your subscribe to the right thingy and get five entries to our contest for leaving a review. We really, on, really appreciate on it. iTunes. Should, should, maybe it's, it's, it's one entry per star. Oh, I think Christiana. that may be crossing a line. <laughs> yeah. That's the totally Ramsey Fulton move. That's a Ramsey move. Okay. We're not saying that it's a one for one (laughs) exchange here. (laughs) It's just an element of reciprocating gratitude that we are all good friends and part of a community that likes to reward each other. Yes. Do do what feels right. Please. (laughs) It's very sad for us to go to the iTunes store and see nothing. <laughs> Just saying, we got some ground and to catch we, up because you know we we were in there and we had some stats and we did we had good stats <laughs> and we will also read your I say for the at least for the first couple we will read the reviews online I mean on air why not yeah absolutely I was I, I we used to have fun doing that on other podcasts it was oh great now they're going to put tongue twisters in there for us <laughs> not a. <laughs> As long as I don't have to read it, it's okay. Bonus two entries for limericks. So that's going to be it. (laughs) Whoa. It's going to get dirty. (laughs) That's going to do it for us this week. We will catch you (laughs) next week as we talk about episode five, The Door. Mm. See you soon. (laughs) Bye. Bye. If you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0, Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.
It still says we're live. Stopping. Stopping. What's going to happen? Live. Stopping. It may just never end now. Maybe it did really stop an hour and a half ago. We have the audio, though, right? Yeah, I've been recording separately.